Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and with me are... Devendra Hardwar. Jeff Kanata. And joining us today, she is a writer and critic over at SlashFilm.com. Hui Chen Bui, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. HD, how are you doing today? I'm good. And I just want to say to all the Slash Film Daily listeners, hey, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it, HD. Um, On the uh, first try, too. Amazing. I mean, this is the thing over at Slash Film Daily, which is another podcast that HD is part of, is they have a a greeting that every uh, host gives every single time, right? And HT's greeting is, hey, everyone. And uh, I guess, you know, missed opportunity that you guys don't have greetings. What are you talking about? Uh, We we all have greetings. What what is your greeting, Jeff? (laughs) And Jeff Kanata. Yeah. (laughs) Jeff is the and. But let's say say we can really- And Peggy, basically. Let's say we could really blue sky this thing. Let's say you could start. Oh, we could start fresh from the ground up. Mm-hmm, give you mm-hmm. a new greeting. Any yeah. idea what your greeting would be, Jeff? Mm. And the Jeff Kanata. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> the um, real Jeff Kanata. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, welcome to the Slash Filmcast. Today on the podcast, we're going to be discussing some what we've been watching. We got some weekly plugs for you. We're going to conclude with an in-depth review. This week, we'll be reviewing Wonder Woman 1984, which, by the way, uh, I saw this theory on Twitter that the reason it is called Wonder Woman 1984, uh, maybe, is so that you couldn't, you cannot abbreviate the movie WW2, which might sound a little bit too much like World War II. What do you guys think of that? Huh. Huh? That, yeah. that seems like more thought that went into this than this movie, you know? <laughs> All right. All right. The thinking we'll behind see. that theory. Yeah. We'll They're going to be sorry when we get to our 84th World War. <laughs> you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, this is slashfilmcast episode 599. Can you believe it? 599 episodes. Wow. Amazing. On a recent episode of the podcast, Jeff Kanata asked, Hey, Dave, should we try something uh, special for the 600th episode? Because we didn't do anything special for the 500th episode. Yeah. I'm a, and- I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy who, uh, you know, who likes to put in a little something extra for the fans. You know, I, I'm, I'm a sentimental guy. <laughs> sentimental. You know, one of these big, these big numbers come up. Dave and Devendra, they're like, it's just a number. Me, no. 600 yeah. means something to me. It's well, so meaningful you remember everything about it, right? Yeah. Like everything oh, yeah. I'll for never it. forget. Never forget yeah. that time we turned 600. Yeah. Anyway, uh, several people on this podcast, plus in our, in our, uh, among our listeners, pointed out that uh, we actually did do something for our 500th episode. I actually worked really hard on that episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Jeff completely forgot. It's um, like 100 episodes ago, Dave. Come on. You know, Ryan from Chicago, Illinois, wrote into slashfilmcast at gmail.com with this following lamentation. Uh, Dear slashfilmcast, I've been an avid listener to your entertaining banter and insightful film criticism for over four years. And I want to thank you for the wonderful content. It is always a highlight of my week to see the new episode of the filmcast pop up in my feed. And I'm grateful for the creation of the Patreon at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, which makes supporting all of you that much more convenient. The After Dark episodes have been awesome. That being said, the reason for my email is due to my distress upon hearing in a recent episode that Jeff Kanata had forgotten the 500th episode of the podcast. Mm. I adored the 500th episode and have returned to it multiple times since it aired, particularly this year. Hearing listeners share their feelings about what the podcast has meant to them, listening to your top 10 movies since the podcast began, as well as your favorite podcast moments, particularly the resurrection of the money horse moment, 
has been like a balm for my soul during these difficult times. I guess you could say my thoughts on Jeff forgetting about the 500th episode could best be summed up in the form of a limerick. (laughs) The 500th episode took some heft, but it was seemingly forgotten by Jeff. Is it time to intervene? Could it be due to quarantine? Or has Kanata been taken over by Blef? Ooh, strong. (laughs) HT, for those who don't know, Blef Blanata is Jeff's uh, evil evil alter ego. He does no, no. He's just a fella I know who it's does some pretty nefarious he's a, things. He's an evil alter ego. Basically. It's some things yeah. that I would not want to be associated name with. At that, yeah, yeah. I you mean, really, you really put, you really burn the midnight oil on that name, Jeff. <laughs> just, um, <laughs> just a guy. Just a guy I know. Well, anyway, uh, Ryan concludes. Dave, I recognize all the hard work you put into that episode, and recognize all the hard work you put into all of you put into every episode. Can't wait for the one thousandth episode spectacular. Mm. Much gratitude to you all, Ryan from Chicago, Illinois. Thanks, Ryan. You know, it's it's really um, sobering when a listener knows more about the podcast than one of your very co-hosts. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Listen, yeah. it's been a rough year. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you, you know, Devendra. Thank you. Our brain cells have been shaved off. We've had to That's take right. uh, substances to stay sane. You know, it's fine. I get it. I understand it, Jeff. Thank you, Devendra. At least somebody yeah. understands me. Also, you know, now that he mentions it in this email... I do remember that episode being pretty special. Yeah. uh, Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Well, anyway, next week on the podcast, we'll be counting down our top 10 films of 2020. You you guys, uh, we'll we'll talk about the planning process for it, actually. I I have some, Uh I have some standard instructions and then a radical idea for you guys um, that I'll, I'll propose during the After Dark. Speaking of which, during the After Dark, we'll also be discussing Soul, the new Pixar film. Um, so that is what is in store for you on the podcast this week. So much juicy content, Dave. It's not how I describe it, but yes. If I was a listener, I would be, I would be compelled to go over to patreon.com slash film podcast right now and, uh, support this kind of juicy content. You know what I'm saying? Can you just stop using the word juicy if you could, please? Mm. Uh, girthy, girthy content. It's very wide. (laughs) Benjamin made it worse. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of, uh, things that are tumescent, let's talk about my left arm and hand. Ooh. Oh, man. wow. It got, it got real. <laughs> what a segue, Dave. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, th- I think you took your cyberpunk cosplay a little too far. <laughs> yeah. Dave, no kidding. A little too far. All right. So, uh, some people who are, uh, patrons on my personal Patreon page or followers of me on social media have already seen this, but basically... Uh, this past Tuesday, my left hand started swelling up like a balloon. Like it, it literally started looking oh, like God. when you, uh, when you take like one of those, uh, latex gloves and you blow into it, you know, like, like basically it, st- it started looking like that. Please, please and, give us, yeah, more descriptive imagery. So yeah. Yeah. like that, except the latex glove is like purplish. And, <laughs> right, Dave? <laughs> Very red. Very red. Oh God. So, uh, yeah, and it was, uh, it, it was pretty scary, but you know, yeah. uh, I, we have a, a dear friend who is a doctor and we contacted her and she said, um, uh, cause I, I didn't That's think it was bad. a big deal. <laughs> <She> said, <laughs> well, I didn't think it was a big deal. Cause you know, stuff like this can happen and go away. So she's like, take yeah, yeah, yeah. four, take four Advil. Right. So, uh, because it's, it's an anti-inflammatory. So like if you mm-hmm. take some Advil, then maybe like whatever is causing your vein or whatever to be inflamed, it's going to go away. So I took four Advil and waited a couple hours and absolutely nothing happened. Mm. Uh, so that was concerning. Uh, I contacted my doctor friend again. I said, hey, um, 
nothing is happening. Uh, yeah. What what should we do? And she said, you you may want to think about going in at this point. Um, if it was me, I would go. Yeah. In. Uh, yeah. And so uh, we decided to make an appointment uh, with our, our doctor. Uh, we went in and she looked at it and she's like, I don't like this. This is looking really bad. Uh, so wait, Dave, and- <laughs> were you experiencing pain or numbness no, or what was the sensation there, there was in your no, arm? There was no acute pain, but it's like my arm was just filled with fluid, basically. Oh, That's God. not right. That's not yeah. right. Yeah. And so I couldn't like move it around. I couldn't make a f- I still, to this moment, cannot make a fist. And so uh, <sighs> it was really uh, pr- pretty scary. And the doctor said, okay, um, you need to go to the ER tonight. Uh, which is like not where I wanted to go because mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, variety of reasons. Have to explain that. <laughs> I think we all don't want to go to the <laughs> ER. <laughs> a wide variety of reasons that are exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, yeah. I don't want to go to the ER. And so went to the ER and they did an ultrasound and they found what's called a deep vein thrombosis, uh, which is basically a blood clot in the arm. Uh, and it uh, isn't deadly on its own but uh if left untreated uh it can become deadly if like the clot uh mm-hmm. breaks loose or dislodges and goes into your lungs um, Jesus. so anyway uh they kind of took a look at it and they decided hey it's not serious enough that you need to actually stay here because like if it's a real serious case they would have need to put me on an iv and i would have needed to stay in the hospital for christmas Right, right. Um, which for, I'm very fortunate. I got seen very quickly. The fine folks at Swedish Hospital in Seattle uh, were very professional and they were very kind. And I was in and out of the hospital in three hours. That's and pretty also, good for yeah, for yeah. I mean, you thing. could you yeah. could be waiting, especially just, now, right? Mm-hmm. You could just be waiting for like five to ten hours. You know, uh, these yeah. days. I mean, supposedly, um, you know, there's no beds anywhere right now. So, well, in in LA County, I hear it's it's a very challenging situation right now. Oh, so, it's, yeah. Um, Nightmare here, yeah. So anyway, uh, I came home, and uh, uh, but because I was in the ER, um, I am quarantining from the rest of my bubble right now. So um, been staying in the El, El Rancho Chen by myself, um, <laughs> but I am extremely grateful for listen everything. You have that- everything there, Dave. You have everything. <laughs> you have your Blu-rays. You have your computer. Yeah. Yeah. Your bathroom. You have everything. Uh, yeah, uh, that's all I need. Um, yeah. I'm really grateful to all the folks in my bubble uh, for really being supportive and and cooking and doing all the things necessary to keep me alive during this last few days. But I wanted to just mention the situation for a couple reasons. Uh, number one, I would say like probably over a hundred people uh, who know me from the slash filmcast and other things reached out to me just to check in on me, and that was very very kind and. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, it's, it started as, um, like, I, I I didn't think it would be a serious thing. I was like, hey, look, one of my arm, my hands is, like, really blown up, you know? It's, uh, I, didn't, I didn't think it would be a big deal. And then it very, very quickly became very much like one of Jeff's jokes on the podcast. It mm-hmm. started as kind of a, hey, this is a, this is a fun little goof, and then mm-hmm. became deadly serious, you know? <laughs> Took it way too far. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, right. so, and then we're all in the ER overnight for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So... I wanted to say thank you to everyone who reached out and just expressed their concern. It was very, very nice. Um, and uh, also, like, uh, for our After Dark About Soul, I got to say, uh, this incident did impact my viewing of that film. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, might talk a little bit about I, that. I, I don't it... know what you could mean, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, anyway, uh, the 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 one thing I want to encourage people uh, to do, like, if there's one lesson, if, you, if if I'm to reflect on a few lessons of this this past yeah. week, right? What did we learn today, kids? Yeah. <laughs> one of them is. Do not let medical conditions go unintended. There's a very hilarious moment when I was in the doctor's office uh, when she said, this is, uh, she started like laying out like what the possible options were. She's like, well, it's very, very likely you have a blood clot. So that means you need to go into the ER like right now. And I'm like, oh, okay, um, are, are you sure it's a blood clot? Like, couldn't it be something else? And she's like, yeah, it could be this other thing that's also really dangerous, which means you need to go into the ER right now. <laughs> and and then she she's my my wife was on the phone and she said, "Hey, make sure he goes to the ER, okay? Because I have a husband too and I'm aware of the uh, you know, the gender differential when it comes to getting medical treatment." Yeah. Um so if you have if you have uh, any men in your life, <laughs> any reservations about uh, getting something seen or checked out, uh, do not wait on that. And the other thing is, uh, it's important to uh, step back and enjoy life once in a while because you never know when you're not going to be able to do that, uh, at least for a little while. So, man, I, I I don't know if it's just age or this uh, this confluence of this very stressful year or what it is, but I've had more health things in 2020 than like my previous life experience up to that point combined yeah you know yeah. like it, this year it's just one thing after another health wise and i don't know if it's just i'm getting i'm just an old person now and that's what happens my body's just breaking down or if i've just lived you know under such stress this year that it's manifesting in all these issues but it feels like mm -hmm. even without covid yeah. like i haven't gotten covid knock on wood but all these other things it's just ridiculous it's so frustrating yeah, I mean, I feel you, man. I don't saying. think it was quite conveyed to me uh, growing up, like the the horror of watching your body fall apart. You know, oh. the closest th the closest <sighs> thing I can I've seen it in art that comes to this is like uh, Charlie Kaufman's Synecdoche. You know, I think does a pretty good <laughs> yeah. job of capturing like what that's like. Anyway, uh, so just some thoughts wanted to say thank you to everyone wanted to say uh, appreciate <laughs> happy what you new have. year everybody <laughs> <laughs> and have a happy new year <laughs> all right uh so thanks folks be well hope everyone's staying safe and healthy out there um let's get to what we've been watching ht you want to hit us with something you've been watching this week yeah well as you guys may know Christmas just passed. What? And huh? yeah, who, who knew? Um, and I decided to add a new film to my rotation of Christmas movies slash Doctor Who Christmas specials that I rewatch every year. And I decided to check out White Christmas, the Bing Crosby 1954 musical film directed by Michael Curtiz. I'd never seen this movie before. And um, it was just a movie that I'd always been curious about. I actually had never seen Bing Crosby act, so I was curious to see what his acting skills was like, were like. And um, it's very much what you would expect from a 1950s um, musical Technicolor film, which is uh, the thinnest of plots that is uh, structured around great stage performances that usually have nothing to do with the, with the story itself, but are so enjoyable to watch because uh, Bing Crosby is really great. Um, 
Rosemary Clooney's in this, who I just learned while watching this film that it is George Clooney's aunt. Yeah. Um, yeah so I'm learning not all kinds of things. And um, I was surprised, although I was surprised to learn that this was a film that was so rooted in post-World War II uh, sort of patriotism and affection affection it's it's centered around a um a sort of unit of world war ii soldiers who after the war um go off on their separate civilian lives uh bing crosby plays a former um captain who um teams up with one of his uh his uh colleagues and becomes a great broadway performer and um things happen and he runs into his former captain uh former commander or major general i don't remember the (laughs) the uh ranks but um (laughs) uh and he decides to put on a show to like help his failing business and uh, it's a sweet film that um felt yeah and very christmassy there are a lot of musical numbers about snow and christmas only white white christmas is sung only once but i enjoyed it and um it's definitely a film that fuels very much in the vein of that sweet sentimental christmas film have any of you guys seen it i've never Uh, seen it no yeah on tv once maybe yeah it was one of those things that would always pop up once in a while how did you watch it hd um it was streaming on Netflix, I think. <laughs> sure. All right. I'll take it. S- seems like it might be a little <laughs> too old for them. Like, I, I think Netflix has very few films before 1980. Yeah. Uh, which was but... very, it was very odd, but I think, yeah, it was streaming on Netflix. Yep. I think I was just looking for films on Netflix that were Christmas related and White Christmas mm-hmm. popped up. And I was so surprised at a film before 1980 appearing on Netflix that I <laughs> decided to put it on. Did they you not want to watch Jingle Jangle? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that yet, but I've heard very, very good things. So yeah, nothing actually, like a true. Christmas movie that too. debuts on Christmas. It's like I'm, yeah. I'm already out of the mood to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's White Christmas uh, by Michael Curtis. You can stream it right now on Netflix, and it sounds like HT enjoyed it. HT uh, looks like you've been catching up with some uh, some movies, perhaps for end of year list. Am I right about that, or? You are you just are randomly right. choosing critically acclaimed films? No, you are right. Um, I The Slash Film End of Year list uh, features are going to be appearing on the site in the next week or so. And I have been doing some heavy catch up on films that I kind of just missed the first time around and other movies that, are, that flew under my radar. Uh, the first one is Of the Ladder. And that's His House, uh, which is a horror film on Netflix directed by Remy Weeks and follows a couple from South Sudan who um, uh, sought out asylum in Britain and tried to adjust to their new life in this rickety English town in this very rickety house, uh, which may or may not be haunted by the ghosts of their past. And I actually watched this um, with my mom because I came home uh, to my parents' house for the holidays, and um, she's actually a big <laughs> horror fan. And oh, wow. um, I'm surprised. I was like, that's not really a mom movie, but all right, <laughs> rock and roll mom. Yeah, my mom's yeah. a bigger horror fan than me. Like she and she t- she generally likes horror and art house films, and so so it's it's interesting. It's we have a lot of good watches she hates superhero films so that's that's really funny um but yeah we watched his house together and actually it was 
it was really interesting watching it with my mom because uh, she is a former Vietnamese refugee. And um, watching the movie unfold is as both a traditional haunted house movie, but one that is steeped in the cultural tradition of South Sudan and also the the story of refugee tragedy and trauma uh, was really interesting to watch alongside her. Uh, she didn't seem to be like, like you know, um, what's the word, like shaken by it at all. She was just kind of, mm-hmm. she ex- she kind of expected every every twist that happened. Like when I was speaking to her about about what in the deeper meanings of the twists of like the the uh, roots of the curse, she was like, "Yeah, of course it means this, and of course this is what these this people these people would go through." And I was like, "Oh, that's so interesting." And she was yeah, she was really unfazed by by the um, the story. And she, but I did come to listen. Appreciate your mom has seen some things, okay? Yeah. So this yes. movie like cannot it. cannot phase her. But yeah, exactly. Your mom sounds so, great. <laughs> yeah, but it gave me a, a greater appreciation. Of the movie, and I think it's a it's a really well made, um, really affecting movie, and one that I think adds a really refreshing, um, realistic uh, grounding to. I mean, the horror genre is one that's so rich and complex, anyways, but uh, to the haunted house uh, structure. So I I really enjoyed his house, which is streaming now on Netflix. Uh, and I, I gotta ask you, HT, you know, you don't need to answer this if you don't want to, but like, do you think this is going to be in your top 10? Cause I, I am strongly considering this one for my top 10. Same. Yeah. yeah. You Same. know, I didn't expect it to be, but as I was watching it, I, I really might like, I haven't, I haven't actually, uh, narrowed down my top 10 yet. It's still very much in the trying to catch up with everything as quickly as possible. Um, but I think I might, I really, really enjoy this movie. It, it gave affected me more than I thought it would. And it's just really well made, really well acted. Uh, the themes are so strong and um, potent. I just, I really enjoyed it. All right. That's his house. HT, what else have you been watching? I watched Trial of the Chicago 7, the Aaron Sorkin um, law courtroom drama on Netflix. HT, and- I, believe, I believe it's pronounced Trial of the Chicago 7. <laughs> Right. Please, please, yeah, please don't don't do that again. Right. Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't do that again. So this might. Listen, be I'm just going by what the actors in the movie told me. Chicago. <laughs> Everyone with their really, really articulated Chicago accent. Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. Accents Cohen's, uh... are a disaster in that film. But yeah. <laughs> so um, I this might you know gain me some of the. Uh, anger of your listeners, but I am a little hit or miss on Aaron Sorkin. I I think that he's a fantastic writer when partnered with a director who can rein him in, but I've never really enjoyed the movies that he's directed himself. Um, I've often found mm-hmm. that he he needs a more of a leash for himself and that he can kind of – he has a tendency to just go too go too long and go too hard and give in to his, his worst uh, compulsions. Well, um, I mean, and Molly's I, game he, he's only need to be – yeah. yeah, I was going to say, he's only directed one other film, right? So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, Molly's, Molly's game. game. But that Molly's movie did game, not right? need to be two and a half hours long. Yes. I, t- yeah, I, mean, I do I, agree with that. I mean, yeah. I, I like Molly's, Molly's game. I like Molly's yeah. game. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's yeah. um, fine. I don't know if I could say that, like, I'm anti-Aaron Sorkin because I, he is a really talented writer and he can really just like make things sing. But uh, I, I kind of just like <laughs> a lot of what maybe okay maybe it's mostly my hatred for the newsroom which i remember watching and really really hating and it's really colored my experiences with him um but you know child of the chicago seven is 
very well written. I do think the direction is a bit on the pedestrian side and um, the performances feel very actorly. Um, but it's entertaining, compelling stuff. Um, and I was, you know, I was I was a grip for most of it. But um, I will say it does feel very, very performative, very actorly um, because mm-hmm. all of the, the, the actors, um, the, the cast, except for maybe Mark Rylance, are really just like giving – not, I wouldn't say stagey, but big performances. Uh, and this kind of this changes when Michael Keaton just strolls into the movie about like two thirds of the way in, and he's just chew like snacking on some peanuts. And he's just he gives such a casual, easy charisma that I feel like it's blows like, guys, everyone you don't need to else's. Try this hard, just just chill. <laughs> yeah, everyone you know, is just relax. Trying, they're trying so much, and then Michael Keaton's just like snacking on peanuts. He's just you know. He's all like, so, you yeah. want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. He's so likable. He's so charismatic. <laughs> nobody, nobody, and I'm like, nice, was, nice, nice. Yeah. Well done. So I just, um, I feel like that made the film almost, his performance was so good that it made me a little less warm on the rest of the film. I'm like, everyone's doing so much. And then there's Michael Keaton. So it's it's fine. It's a good entertaining movie. I wouldn't say it's one of my top films of the year, but um, it's fine. It's good. Is she, I have to ask you, by the way, have you seen the uh, the English dub of Porco Rosso, where Michael Keaton plays Porco? I have. Um, I think I you would little... love that. Yeah, that that is fantastic. Good laid back Michael Keaton performance. Uh, yeah, he's so good at that <laughs> laid back charisma. Um, so I, I will say I watched a long time ago and I kind of Porco Rosso is one of my least favorite yeah. of the Miyazaki films. But it's I also so watched good. it when I was really it's young so and good. didn't know what I was going into. Mm-hmm. for that film which is much different than a lot of Miyazaki's other films I need to go back to it because I feel like I'd gain a better appreciation for it especially of Michael yeah. Keaton's yeah. performance yep yep alright well uh, that's the trial of Chicago 7 and that's what Hoi Chen Bui has been watching this week also for those who don't know uh, Jeff Kanata made a Batman reference this is uh, I like it's, the- wow I like wow. the annotated slash film cast. Yeah, this is no, great. You're welcome. I mean, for you know, it's it's not widely known that before yeah. uh, Zack Snyder <laughs> was doing the Batman movies, uh-huh. Uh-huh. it was uh, was uh, Tim Burton. Tim Burton this made a couple of Batman films. This is the kids Tim in the Bur- audience. You're okay, saying, okay. Did in you just say times. that it went, it went from Tim Burton to Zack Snyder? <laughs> yep. There's nobody in between those two? No, no, no in between. No, no. Yep, okay. Pretty right. much. Yep, I don't know who Joel Schumacher is. No, I'm just joking. Joel Schumacher, what, underrated. You, Batman Forever, missing, underrated. You're missing a, a, a few Nolan films yeah. in there as well. I, I don't, I, who? Who? <laughs> Hey, everyone. I've been thinking about ways to make my home a little more comfortable uh, with winter approaching, especially since I live with two cats and, you know, I'm together with my baby and my wife. For us, covering up litter box smells is a pretty big issue. And before I started using Pretty Litter, I used to deal with clay litters that were just really dusty and had to be scooped a lot and just didn't protect odors very much. But Pretty Litter pretty much solved most of the issues I've had with typical litter. It uses super absorbent crystals that can trap odor almost instantly and it can last up to a month. And I really appreciated not having to scoop up so much clay as I used to. It's also safer for the environment and your household because it doesn't have irritants that can aggravate allergies and asthma as much as clay litter or other types of litters. Pretty Litter just does a great job of minimizing mess and dust in general. I also appreciate the fact that it arrives at my door safely in a small lightweight bag that sure beats heading to the pet store and lugging back huge boxes of litter. Shipping is also free and I appreciate not having to worry about storing huge containers either. 
What I appreciate most though is Pretty Litter's ability to use colors to help detect signs of early illness in my cats. And that includes things like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And cats aren't very vocal about telling you when they're hurt or when they're sick. So I found this to be super useful. So do what I did and make the switch to Pretty Litter today. Get 20% off your first order by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code FILMCAST. That's prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST for 20% off. prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST. All right, let's talk about what I've been watching. You know, guys, I had a moment this week where uh, I remember we interviewed Ryan Johnson on this podcast. And we, we talked about after he got the gig for um star wars the last jedi uh he spent a lot of time watching documentaries about climbing disasters on netflix do you guys remember that yeah yeah (laughs) and and it was like it it felt like it informed his uh his viewpoint on life at that point and also prescient (laughs) yeah i I mean i you like the last jedi though right jeff oh it's my favorite star wars movie oh yeah yeah. there you go so um Anyway. I'm, I'm just saying the idea of conquering a mountain and then it being turning out to be, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I don't know. The top yeah. of that mountain is fanboys. Prepare yourself. Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about this with Dan uh, Merle on the podcast last week. Um, but anyway, uh, it's interesting to reflect on like what media I was drawn to this week. Um, as I was recuperating on my couch, I basically stayed on my couch for like four days and didn't move because of my whole situation. And um, I rewatched Heat, the Michael Mann film. And it's like, why, why was so I good. interested in Heat? And I think the reason I was interested in Heat is because it is basically competence porn. It's yeah. like this idea <laughs> yeah. that like Every Michael Mann you can movie, but yeah. you can be good at something, and like and like the world is like controllable in some way. And it felt nice to think about that in a week where things felt very uncontrollable. That it's, said, it's a very things- life affirming movie, Dave. You know, you yeah. gotta you gotta have a code. You gotta have a code. You, you leave nothing behind, right? Don't don't have more. That don't have you more. Can that you can't, the, yeah, you can't yeah. walk around the like. Uh, you can't drop if you feel mm-hmm. that heat coming around the corner. You gotta, wa- you gotta uh, walk away. You gotta walk away from yeah. everything. Everything. Yeah. Uh, all that said, uh, it ends super well for literally every character in that film. So yeah. uh, I'm glad I watched it. <laughs> no, but but uh, I, I I have been kind of thinking a lot about Michael Mann movies because there's this like I don't know just just the, watching kind of competence is yeah. was reassuring to me in this time. Go back and yeah. rewatch Thief, man. Like that movie just hits so hard. If you just want to see process and competence, it's, it's all so right. Good. I'll take yeah. that advice. I also had a chance to watch the entire 10-hour series, Gangs of London. Yeah, buddy. Um, now, this show is extremely my shit. Uh, it, it, Gareth Evans did the first couple episodes. Literally Evans, dedicated to David Chen, I believe, like in the, <laughs> in the credits. I wish. I wish it had been. Yeah. Um, it, it's basically everything I would want. The, the way I would describe it is it's some kind of cross between like The Departed and The Raid 2 Redemption. You know, like... Uh-huh. And their uh, affairs, with, with, yeah, with yeah. maybe a little Game of Thrones thrown in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like uh, every episode features people being murdered creatively, uh, and uh, that's really all I wanted in a show that I was watching as I was trying not to die. Uh, and I uh, I quite enjoyed it. Um, there, the the thing about Gangs of London though that so so let me say a couple caveats about Gangs of London. Number one, I am offended and infuriated by how difficult the show is to access right now i mean yeah i, I want to watch it thing. too yeah. i want to watch i want to watch it I, I would literally pay like 25 dollars for this 
10 episode season of the or more or more but i don't have that option you cannot go buy this season streaming right now mm-hmm. so well you, you you can do the free trial right and then you pay well, nothing yeah, yeah. as long as you cancel basically the 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 only way to get access to this is by subscribing to amc plus which is relatively easy to do through for instance prime channels my old uh-huh. workplace uh, or I used to work at Prime Video at least. And so um, I have some f- friends who still work on Prime Channels. And uh, it is actually a great and easy experience to do Prime Channels. But it sucks that you need to do anything, like you, that you need to go through this to even get access. Like, yeah. it's not like everyone it, knows it that AMC+. Plus AMC, is- which is already a premium network, <laughs> yes. has another thing. No sense. What? Yeah, yeah. So it's very irritating uh, on that front and then the other thing is I watched the entire show and I binged it basically and mm-hmm. I really started to realize why action films work better as movies and not TV shows <laughs> and it's because it's relentless every, here. every yeah. episode there's like I, I'm not exaggerating I'd say the, the body count in every episode is between like 30 and 40 people die every episode it's amazing, right? so it's like, amazing. there's a raid <laughs> on a house in this show that is dynamite this is yeah, one it's, of the it's best incredible. action it's incredible. sequences I've one ever One of the best action seen. sequences I've ever seen, regard, yeah. TV, film, whatever. It's incredible. And it just isn't plausible that you could kill 30 to 40 people a week uh, in a major city and like not have, you know, the the authorities descend upon you in a huge way. Like when, you know, Iko Uwais kills like 100 dudes in the Raid Redemption, it's like, oh, okay, I don't need to think about that for the next five years of my life. But when you're watching this week to week, and it's especially like, in the UK where they're they're yeah you know, yeah they have like really surveillance happen. every they have CCTV everywhere. It's like it, really the the guy they can kill like 50 dudes and like no one's gonna <laughs> you know and so uh, the but the end by the end of the show Gangs of London the show becomes just completely ludicrous, um, and the plot is just very very silly. But uh, there's still enough there in terms of the action, in terms of the acting, in terms of the uh, direction. Uh, the cinematography that I still enjoyed it. So the star of his house is a uh, is a big heavy in that show. Incredi- he kicks so much it, ass. I, I, so much ass. So so Sope yeah. Dirisu, right? Is yep. the or Dirisu? I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he is the protagonist of, or one of the protagonists of his house. And Devendra, you mentioned he's also in Gangs of London. So I'm like, oh, yeah. maybe he's like a side it's character. Just a guy. No, no, he no, is no. like he's literally the, the main guy. dude. He's the main yeah. guy in Gangs of London, and completely unrecognizable. Like you, He's you the would, eco EYs you, of Gangs yeah, of London. Yeah. If you watch his house and then you watch this movie, this show, Gangs of London, you might not even know it's the same dude that's playing the, the protagonist in both things. Because um, he is incredible in this. He does a lot fewer martial arts in his house, unfortunately. Yeah. It would have helped him out a little bit. Yeah, so it's a missed like opportunity. A, a skill set that he shouldn't have left at the door <laughs> of his house. You know what I'm I, saying? Yes, literally. Literally. Um, okay. So that's Gangs of London. It's on AMC Plus. The easiest way to get it, in my opinion, is through Prime Channels. Uh, and I think uh, people who are fans of The Raid 2 should check it out because yes. there is enough there. It's worth checking out. Okay. If you're a fan of action movies, you will get something out of this show. Yeah. Let's talk about Baccarat. Devinder, do you have a chance to watch Baccarat this week? I didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. No, how we, how do we talk about it, Dave? How do we even yeah. talk about it? I don't know if we can really talk about it. That's again. the problem. That's what <laughs> the problem last week. And now we're just gonna kick Here, this can down the road. No, no, no. Here's what we're, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna talk around it. I'm gonna talk about Baccarat w- without talking about any of the plot details of Baccarat. <sighs> All right. You're just gonna read the IMD uh, cast list, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, well. So here's you can what I'm say the about genre. Back- 
and no, the you genre can't. that no, it plays. You can't, actually. You can't, because it's kind of a spoiler. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, I, I saw it. I think you can ta- say the genre without it, without it being spoiled, but eh, it's fine. Here's I don't know, man. Version. There's a half an hour where it's not that genre. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how about this? How about this? I'm going to read what the genre is when I Google Baccarat, okay? Mm-hmm. So when I Google Baccarat, it says Western slash thriller. Okay. Uh, that sure. is That is what it says. Okay. And, all right. Sure. And I and I think it is a interesting and deft blending of those two genres. So Baccarat is a uh, what is it a, a Brazilian film, right? Yes. Um, that is available to stream on I think Canopy. I saw it on Criterion Collection. You can also rent it on Video on Demand. Um, and I'll say I watched it this weekend. I thought it was you know I thought it was good, it, but it wasn't quite on on my wavelength. You know, it wasn't like quite my thing. What I liked about it is. This movie is completely unpredictable. Like I, I had no idea. It's one of those movies. Like when we were watching the Nest, we remember we were talking about guys. Like the Nest is like a movie where what, an what, hour what movie it, are we even watching? I still have no idea what this movie is. Like yeah, what, what, what what is what is the movie I'm even watching right yes, now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What what is it trying to say? What is the even the main arc of the plot? Like yeah. hour hour and a half in, I still don't know. And uh, and but I, I will say that it is a deft blending of multiple genres. Some great homages to classic films in this film, and uh, the performances are really great. And also, uh, it, it just it has something to say uh, about modernity, about um, uh, capitalism, and I appreciated that, uh, particularly in light of the main review we're going to be talking about today. So. Uh, <sighs> Yeah. I overall would recommend it, but it just wasn't a movie that I loved. Jeff, how did frust- I do, first of all, Jeff? Huh? You did good, and I'm frustrated because I have very specific things I want to say. I see, I see. And I see. so I find myself stymied. Um, I see. Maybe we'll but do an after I, I will coming. say, I mean, I kind of said last week that I think this movie, you know, is two hours and 20 minutes, and it could be an hour 40. It uh, definitely I, takes its time. Yeah. And I <laughs> also feel like... It does that thing where it's got like three characters when it only needed one, you know, (laughs) Uh Uh like it establishes very clearly a sort of hero and heroine and then doesn't seem to care at all about them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it it introduces an entirely new character, like it goes on this wild (laughs) tangent to pull in this other character that seems very important and it, the role, that character's entire role could have been our hero character and our heroine character like those there's nothing about this character that they go and get that they bring in that adds anything that, that uh, it just feels- I, I would i would dispute that it doesn't add anything like i i think but i th- i would say that probably the movie's message is getting is getting in the way of the execution in that case right yeah because it's I, I think it probably has something to say with regard to like where that character comes from and like what that character's background is and their motivation. But, uh, but I would agree with you that it felt like weird and, and oddly clunky for me. It didn't really work because it, it didn't, uh, mm. it didn't, I, I think the movie is compelling on a number of levels and is really, um, intense. And you see some stuff, you see things in that movie that I just have never seen before. Yeah. And yeah. It, it does, it does. It goes to places that I'm like, okay, movie, um, and so on, I, I respect it, and I thought it was kind of incredible on a on a certain level. But I also feel like 
there are things that seem to be huge setups that never pay off. And there are, uh, it just seems to sprawl out of control a bit when it's, it's really a very simple thing. And it didn't need to be as, I think, as complex as it thinks it is, you know? HT, know. you saw this movie. What did you think of it? I did. I saw this actually way back when, um, last year's New York Film Festival. So it's been a while, but um, I I really, it was one of my favorite films that I saw at the festival, but I don't agree with all the critics who are putting it at the top of the year list. I think it's a really fascinating, weird experimental film. I described it um, as like a weird Western, which I think really, it really fits the bill. It kind of plays around with genre in a way that sometimes feels intentional, sometimes feels uh, spontaneous. And I do like the genres that it plays with. There's like an element of magical realism to it, especially in the beginning, which is really fascinating. Um, but there's also this um, the, this element of B-movie thrills to it that both work for the movie, but also I think hinders it in a way, if that makes sense, to people who have watched yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think that could be... You know, some people have read what you're describing as like an intentional decision uh, on the part of uh, the filmmakers to kind of adopt that language. Um, but I uh, I definitely don't begrudge you not putting it this at the top of your list. It wasn't a film that I loved, but it is definitely very interesting. Uh, and yeah, and I would say if anybody's interested in watching it, definitely watch it cold, blind. You know, yeah, it, is, yeah. it is a movie that, don't read about it. Just go in and check it out. I'm glad that I watched it it's not going to be on my top 10 and it's not a movie that I loved, but, but I'm glad I watched it. And I, I think the reason I'm glad I watched it is because I didn't know anything going in. Well, appreciate you checking it out, Jeff. You know, I, I appreciate yeah. you being game for, uh, you know, of kind of out there choices like this. So anyway, the movie's Baccarat and, uh, that's uh, a movie I've been watching this week. Okay. Really quickly, I'm going to mention two movies that you cannot see right now and just give you my impressions on them. Um, Pieces of a Woman. This movie's coming out, I think, in January on Netflix. And uh, it has won some critical raves because it features um, the act the main actress in the movie, Vanessa Kirby, uh, putting in a powerhouse performance. And in fact, she does. I think she's incredible in this film. It's arguably worth watching just for her performance. All the performances are great. Um, Shia LaBeouf is in it. Um, Ellen Burson's in it. Movie itself uh, wasn't a huge fan, and I think in particular it really loses its way by the end. But uh, if you want to see a gut wrenching, gut wrenching performance by Vanessa Kirby, then this is the movie for you. It's called Pieces of a Woman. It'll be out on Netflix in January. And I also had a chance to watch Minari, Minari, um, the uh, Lee Isaac Chung movie. Right? Uh, he is. Uh, this is a movie, by the way, that is now has some kind of con- has some controversy because I think it's being evaluated as a foreign film, the Golden Globes, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, had a chance to watch this on a screener uh, disc, and it's going to be out, I think, in February. Uh, and I really, really liked it. Liked it a lot. I think it does a great job of capturing the American immigrant experience and one slice of it. And I would recommend you check this movie out. And we'll, I, I'm probably going to ask that we make it our main review when it comes to uh, time to do so. So um, the movie's Minari, uh, and it'll be out in February, I think. And the other movie's Pieces of a Woman, it'll be out in January. Okay, that's what I've been watching this week. Divinger Hardware, what have you been watching? 
well, let me put it this way. This week, I saw a sequel to a beloved superhero film starring Pedro Pascal, whose theme is all about hope and overcoming, you know, the evils in our lives. But enough about We Can Be Heroes. Whoa! <laughs> yes. Dang. I saw Robert. This Robert is this Rodriguez is going to be the first film. of three Boom the Ghost Dynamite jokes today. By the way, so just like yeah, it's going it's, it's to be all over the place. Yeah. Uh, it is wild that there are two Pedro Pascal movies that just hit, um, you know, streaming just within this week. This is Robert Rodriguez's sequel, not, pseudo sequel to uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, um, which I know a lot of kids who actually really enjoy that uh, that movie and. I like it when Robert Rodriguez goes for kids stuff. Honestly, like the first Spy Kids, that movie is genuinely fun and wacky. And he brings like all of his great, like his good directorial skills to, you know, something to a genre to kids movies. I don't think you typically see style like this. So this movie is about um, a group of kids. uh, It's actually it's kind of about a world where there is an Avengers like force of superheroes who are all taken down at one point and their kids who also have superpowers. Um, it is up to them to, to save their parents. And it's just, it's really fun. It's really bubbly. I like seeing Robert Rodriguez in this mode. Um, also has a great cast. Like in addition to Pedro Pascal, Christian Slater's in this Priyanka Chopra's in this, uh, Sung Kang from the fast and furious is in this movie. Mm. Uh, playing Hashtag a character, justice for Han. Hashtag justice for Han playing a character named blinding fast. And his only thing is he goes fast and I love it. I, I love like this movie is so campy and so silly and, you know, has like really, really simplistic special effects and stuff. And it's like, you know, just it feels like kids, genuine kids acting. The kids are a lot of fun. They have a lot of fun with their powers. And I think um, in terms of superhero, you know, stories and broader philosophies that we could bring from the superhero genre, um, I think this movie is actually like hitting things a lot harder than even freaking Wonder Woman 1984, but I'll talk more about that later. I really enjoyed this. I had a lot of fun with it. It won't compare to the MCU, but if you have kids who like superhero stuff, I think they'd really enjoy it. Uh, you know, it's it's certainly entertaining enough for parents. I'm glad Robert Rodriguez is still like doing this fun kid stuff. That's We Can Be Heroes. How'd you watch it, Devendra? It's on Netflix. Devendra, I just have and a question they, they before do... you move on yes, to the next yes. one. Uh, uh-huh. Where is Taylor Lautner? <laughs> Listen, he uh, cannot be found. MIA. They recast because uh, he was Shark Boy in the original movie. Uh, it's it's another guy. It's another guy. I'm sorry, Taylor Lautner. Yeah, justice for right. Taylor. That's we can be. That's we can be heroes. Devendra, you watched the movie that I wanted to check out. It's called yeah. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes. Um, and how was this movie? I've heard some great things. It's one of Chadwick Boseman's last mm-hmm. performances. Yeah, it I is will- his actual last performance. Yeah, and this is the. It's a George C. Wolfe uh, adaptation of the August Wilson play. Um, it is produced by Denzel Washington, too, who I know is trying to basically get uh, the entire run of August Wilson's work um, or a major chunk of it produced. Uh, he also directed and starred in Fences a couple of years ago, which I really, mm. uh, really enjoyed. Um, so this is, uh, you know, it's a movie about Ma Rainey, a woman who's known as the mother of the blues. And her band and the kind of conflicts that they have. And Chadwick Boseman is a uh, he's a kind of a sassy trumpet player. Like he is he's playing to his own tune. He doesn't want to follow the rules. He's kind of like the young punk of the group. I don't know. Um, it is it, it definitely feels like a play because this movie pretty much is just people talking in, uh, you know, in 
three or four different rooms, but there's some great music work here. Um, you get to see Chadwick Boseman just like really give his all to this character who is he just wants to, you know, make his mark on the world. And the Viola Davis plays Ma Rainey as this uh, older, very successful singer and a woman who like knows that she is talented and demands that the world, you know, treats her the way she wants. It is really fascinating to see her in such a powerful role. Um, I like these actors. It's a great, you know, great cast all around, but this movie is, it's a ton of fun going in for the music. Uh, definitely expect it to be more like a play, but I really, really enjoyed it. And it is certainly a fiery and fitting role final role for Chadwick Boseman, you know, he, he just gives his all here and I love him so much. It's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and it is streaming right now on Netflix. <clears throat> Jeff Kanata, what have you watched this week? Well, I, I was just going to say, I uh, really love August Wilson's work. I got a chance to meet him. I think you'll appreciate it. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. When I was working at the, uh, the theater in LA um, when I was young, it was uh, amazing. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's passed now, but <clears throat> he, he brought some of his works, including Fences, uh, to the uh, LA theater group. And um, he came and like was so generous with his time. And he talked to all of us. I mean, I was working in the box office. I wasn't, wow. you know, working on the play, but I was selling tickets to people. And he had this day where he came and like talked to all the employees and he was so generous with his time and open and and just a really amazing human being. Um, gone too soon. You know, he died mm-hmm. several years ago now, but mm-hmm. uh, his plays are spectacular. So anyway, I'm excited to see Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. Um, I had a chance to watch a, a streaming film that just hit Netflix as well. Uh, it's called Midnight Sky. It's directed by uh, George Clooney and starring George Clooney, who you'll not believe this is Rosemary Clooney's nephew. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Interesting no, factoid. Have, Thanks no, for bringing that nepotism. Nepotism just never <laughs> stops in Hollywood, man. Nobody likes a callback. Um, no. Anyway, this is a sci-fi film and uh, directed by George Clooney. It's 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 beautifully shot, I think. It feels a bit like two movies squished together. Uh-huh. And the movie that stars George Clooney of the two movies is really good. I was into it, man. It's basically this, this dying man who is on a dying earth. And he finds out that... Uh, uh, there's a, a, a spaceship in space that m- has been exploring a potential new place for us to populate, a new planet uh, that we may be able to populate. And he, his mission is to like tell them to turn around. Like they're coming back to Earth. And he's like, turn around, go populate because Earth is dead. Uh, and it's really compelling. But then like the other half of the movie that kind of it. it pops back and forth uh, it's interspersed you know it's not like really one half and the other half but it's constantly going back and forth is those people in that shuttle and we learn about their lives and, and everything and every time it's like this tense intense george clooney in this antarctica tundra trying to survive trying to get to the radio station and then it's like meanwhile on the ship it's like whoa no 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 i'm not interested in any of this really dramatic stuff i think you you lost me with this movie jeff when you said directed by george clooney just just saying because i he tries he tries he tries tries. so hard wow but i i sat through monuments men i sat through ides of march i even watched leatherheads and i have to say 
no more. I'm not you have not mentioned anymore. you have not mentioned my favorite film of his, which is Good his, Night and Good Luck. His I good, that was his good, movie. amazing. Yeah, his that was good awesome. Movie. His yeah. one good movie. movie. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sorry you were not a fan of Suburbicon, Devendra. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I think I dodged a bullet there, but yeah. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot I think that's interesting about this movie and all of the sequences where George Clooney is walking through the Antarctic and being pelted by ice storms and stuff. It's like, it looks really real. I mean, it looks like <laughs> he went, oh, uh, my friend Leonardo DiCaprio put himself through hell for The Revenant. I can do that. And yeah, uh, yeah. it feels Tom like Cruise he's like, is doing all these stunts. I could get some yeah, snowballs thrown at me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I gotta get, I gotta be cold in it too. Um, so he, uh, yeah, it looks like he, you know, they l- really put him through stuff. Like his, you could tell, you, you know, you know how you can tell fake cold and real cold in movies. It, this looks like real cold. Like his face is breaking, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but overall, I found the movie to be a bit, uh, a bit unsatisfying. There's a big twist at the end that uh, is pretty obvious all very early on, and um, uh, ultimately, you know, it's 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 a long movie that could have been you know i just want to just just stick with old uh old george you know like he's he's, uh the most interesting part and it it's a weird juxtaposition right because you have these like flashback sequences to young george and uh which are also kind of not that interesting but at least we're kind of in the same world but then we go to this spaceship that has no clue that the earth is is dying right yeah the whole point is that they're like coming back so it's literally like the most intense edge of your seat is this guy going to survive in the frozen tundra of the antarctica to like literally people on a ship like so how's the coffee you know it's just like i don't why are we spending so much time with these people i don't care i do not care there's no there's no stakes for the spaceship people because they literally have no idea there's anything wrong you know uh it's, it's just very odd it's a very odd juxtaposition and it never really worked for me so uh, an interesting movie, and I love good sci-fi. And like I said, it's beautifully shot. It's really uh, striking. And it, they do an interesting thing where it kind of never reveals what's wrong with Earth. You know, it's just like Earth's dying, yada, 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 yeah. bad stuff. You know, I have it, a few guesses, yeah. Yeah, so it's like it kind of doesn't even matter. It's just like the Earth yeah. is dying. That's all you need to know, audience. You know, I was watching, I was watching a, a movie yesterday, like... I, I was, I've been having trouble sleeping because of my medical stuff, and I'm just I'm just cycling through movie because like sometimes it helps me to sleep if I'm watching something. Like I watch something until I get tired, and so I'm just cycling through movies at like an astonishing rate. And one of the movies I watched that was like part of that mix was Fargo, the Coen Brothers movie. Ah, oh, so good and he's a great movie. And uh, I realized like I don't think we ever find. I mean, I, I think I realized it when I first watched it, but I remembered that you never really find out why William H. Macy is in debt in that film. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I Googled is like, do we ever find out why William H. Macy is in debt? And like people have theories, but it's never explained in the film. I mean, uh, and yeah, you look at this guy, of- you look at this guy, right? You look at him. It's like, mm, this guy can't, can't do anything. Right. Well, well, know? the thing, the thing is that's odd about it is yes, this guy is clearly a screw up, but uh-huh. the magnitude of the debt in the, it's like in the, hundreds of thousands like millions of dollars like it's just that doesn't just happen overnight that's like uh weeks if not years of concealment and deception you know so Mm -hmm. i'm just Mm -hmm. like what i wonder what the story is there but it's always interesting when a movie like 
just doesn't explain something and it just lets you kind of invent yeah. something on your own. Do you I like that like degree that. of I, mystery or uh, is that something that you wish was expanded on more? Because I, I think that, I think it works no, no, especially I, for I, Fargo. Yeah, yeah. yeah it I works. Li- I li- I'm saying I like it and I think it sounds like this is another example of it mm-hmm. um, in the Midnight Sky. I mean, this movie goes so far as like, there's a moment where George Clooney is on the radio trying to reach people and he's like, I want to tell you about... And then we all <laughs> thought it was a mistake, but it turns out... <laughs> so we all have to leave. You know, it's, it literally goes that far. It's, it sounds like he, he was trying to make like a climate change warning movie and yeah. investors were like, you got to... Not not so hard. Don't go so hard. Okay, can you fudge it a little? Just like just have Earth die. We don't know why. It's fine. Well, it is based on a novel, so I'm assuming yeah, yeah, the yeah. novel is equally vague. But yes. Mm. Well, that is the Midnight Sky. I have not heard great things about it. So no, and you continue not to. Yeah, I continue. Yeah. I was thinking of watching it, and it's like mm, I don't it's know. okay. It's yeah. not bad, but it's yeah. All right. Well, that is what we have been watching this week. Let's move on to Weekly Plugs. Weekly Plugs is the part of the show each week where we recommend something we have been making and are in or something that uh, someone else has made that we like. HT, let's start with you. You've recently launched another podcast into the world, have you not? I have. I recently launched a Star Trek and Doctor Who podcast with one of my Slash Film coworkers, Jacob Hall. And I am a longtime Doctor Who fan. He is a longtime Star Trek fan. And we decided that the best way to share our respective loves for our respective sci-fi shows is to do a podcast where we introduce to each other those shows and uh, share that love with the world. So chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, exactly. And um, we are now 16 episodes into this podcast. It's a weekly podcast. You can find us on uh, Spotify, iTunes, various podcasting platforms. And each episode we discuss uh, one episode of Star Trek and one episode of Doctor Who. Doctor Who starting with the modern revival that launched in 2005. So, and we started with Star Trek the original series and we were planning to do all of the star trek oh <laughs> franchise boy. like a series and uh doctor who you're really back- playing a long game with this show we really HD. are oh. yeah. really <laughs> the next 10 years that's, mapped a, out. that's a pretty yeah. big commitment hd i gotta say you know well, i mean thing we i mean love. my original commitment with davindra was um let's review yeah. all the indiana jones films <laughs> oh is that and by the way like the first the very first episode of the podcast was Indiana Jones and the Kingdom, the Crystal Skull. Yeah. So that's um, why, by the way, that's why in 2022, this yes. podcast will end. Correct. Correct. Um, the, the whole pod, I basically said, we're going to be doing this podcast as long as they're making Indiana Jones films. And they are going to be doing that until 2022. So that's, this has been a 15 year long bet. Um, so it's gonna happen. I guess that's yeah. that's what you're signing up for, HC. That's what you're signing yep, up for. I I am. I'm gonna be around your guys' age by the time. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. You know what? If my body wasn't completely falling apart, I would <laughs> do something about that comment. <laughs> All right. Um, well, anyway, now I don't feel like promoting HT's podcast, Trekking Through Time and Space. <laughs> Yeah. Available wherever podcasts can be and downloaded. And by your guys' age, I mean hale and healthy. <laughs> <laughs> nice save. Thanks. Nice save, yeah. HD. Nice yeah. save. Um, <laughs> Got to be thinking about that one for a while, HD. Yeah. Got to be thinking about Kinda that. Kind of cut deep. Cut deep over here. Yep. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, uh, Devendra, what have, uh, what's uh, your weekly plug? Uh, yeah, I wrote up my experience with Flight Simulator's VR mode, adding gadget, mm. and uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, I think, is one of the coolest things that launched this uh, this year. It's a very like specific, very, you know, it's a simulation game, um, but it looks so good. It's fantastic. The VR mode is kind of life-changing, and Jeff, I think you'll have a lot of fun <gasps> with this when you get to really? when you get to see it. It is um it is wild to just, you know, put on a headset and be in the cockpit of you know, I think they have around 30 to 40 planes right now. It look like the game just suits VR so much uh, because before, if you were like, you know, hopping around the different dials and stuff, you, you have to like hit the camera button. Now you just, just lean in, just lean in. You want to look out the window, just lean out and look out the window. It is so like, it's so evocative. They kind of like wormed its way into my dreams. I started dreaming about this game because mm. the reality of just flying is so, it feels so real and so like so fantastic. So if you have access to VR, if you have a quest two or anything, um, flight simulator is worth getting. It's also on game pass. So you could get it pretty easily. And the VR mode is definitely worth checking out. You can read up, uh, you can read my write up at Engadget. Uh, just search flight simulator VR Engadget. It's truly a, uh, huge technical accomplishment. What they did with it's flight insane. Yeah. It's, it's basically for those who don't know what flight simulator is, it's it's basically like a simulation of the entire planet mm-hmm. that you can fly around in, uh, and the fidelity is very high, like almost photorealistic. Like you can look at some of these images, and it's sometimes indistinguishable from real life. Um, so it is really incredible what they've been able to do, and I've I've had a great time flying around in Flight Simulator. So uh, I will check out this Flight Simulator VR article. Time, uh, is time it article? to get a VR headset, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. Uh, It is that time of year, as you know, where people are putting together their lists of the best stuff. And we did so over on my video game podcast called DLC every year. Now we'll be starting our eighth year next week of DLC. Uh, We do a top five games of the year. we, We call it our favorites because it's based on an incomplete sampling and, uh, we always have the same guest on, Anthony Taramina from Game Rant, and we put together our top five list, and then we do five. Instead of doing ten, a top ten, a top ten, we do top five, and then five other games that aren't our six through ten, but are games that we think deserve another mention at the end of the year. Hidden gems, dark horses, games that deserve to be brought up again. And I found it to be a really fun way to do it. Uh, and we also talk about the biggest news stories in video games of the year. If you're interested in video games at all, I'll give you a, uh, I urge you to check it out. Uh, you can find it over at five by five TV slash DLC. Uh, great. I listened to it this, this uh, morning and I found it oh, to thanks. be quite enjoyable. Check out the DLC game of the year rundown. Uh, I'm going to recommend you subscribe to culturally relevant for my weekly plug. It's my podcast, uh, where I interview interesting, uh, filmmakers, writers, authors, uh, this week. I was able to chat with Willa Paskin, the TV critic over at Slate, and the host of the Decoder Ring podcast, great podcast about pop culture. We counted down our top five TV shows of 2020, and I was finally able to let loose with my thoughts about The Queen's Gambit, guys. It was oh boy, quite, quite purifying, quite purifying. <laughs> anyway, that episode has not been published yet yeah. because I was going to publish it last week. But then I had my medical episode, and so now it has been delayed, And um, but it will be very soon, the next uh, week or so. 
Um, so subscribe now and make sure you get it. It is very interesting how having a medical thing reconfigures your priorities, I think. Um, podcasting was like a huge part of my mind space. Mm-hmm. Then it went down to almost nothing, um, which, uh, you know, is where I come to you today, doing this podcast today, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> culturally relevant is my weekly plug. Let's get to our review of Wonder Woman 1984. This world is not yet ready for all that you will do. Your time will come, Diana. And everything will be different. Citizens of the world. I'm here to change your life. Anything you want. Anything you dream of, you can have it. You look like you saw a ghost. Diana, look at you. That was from the trailer of Wonder Woman 1984, the newest film by director Patty Jenkins. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Rewind to the 1980s as Wonder Woman's next big screen adventure finds her facing two all-new foes, Max Lord and the Cheetah, end quote. Um, so before we talk about Wonder Woman 1984, you know, uh, I was really glad to have HT back on because HT was joining us a few years ago when we reviewed Wonder Woman Part 1 on this podcast. Uh, the most successful grossing film of that summer at, at the uh, at the movie theaters. And this movie, Wonder Woman 1984, is released under much, much different conditions than that movie was released under, right? This is HBO Max's first kind of opening salvo of releasing movies at home streaming at the same time as it's in theaters. Um, the movie actually did, uh, I, I think it's the highest grossing film since, uh, since the pandemic began. So like, I think it beat out uh, Tenet. Uh, it made around $16 million in U.S. Uh, theaters this weekend. And uh, HBO has also quoted some vague numbers about like how well it did on streaming. But in addition to the odd streaming environment under which this movie is being released and the fact that we all watched it at home, uh, quote unquote, for free, if you already have HBO Max, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes situation was also quite odd for this one. <laughs> I think this Wonder Woman 1984, I believe opened with a Rotten Tomatoes score of around, I want to say, 89%, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and currently, it sits at 63%. Now, that is a precipitous drop. Like, the movies have dropped before. Like, that's not new. Um, but it is atypical, I think, for a, a, a big-budget blockbuster to start that high and then to drop to 63%. It's, it's not, I'm not saying it's never happened, but it's just, like, atypical that that's the case. And HT, I would be remiss if I did not mention that your review was one of the first ones in that 89%, right? Yeah. So I guess, I guess I just wanted to ask you before we even talk about the movie, kind of what has been your experience uh, witnessing all of the critical reaction come in? Because I've definitely been in a situation where uh, I will watch a movie at a festival and be like, oh man, incredible movie like life-changing right and then later on like you see every like the reactions hit and you see it on twitter and then you're like 
maybe maybe i didn't have maybe like upon reconsideration you get the festival high right or and it, maybe right? in a different yeah. environment i wouldn't have liked it as much or oh i didn't even think about that whole thing that people brought up like so i guess i'm curious as one of the uh early praisers of this film um when you started seeing this Rotten Tomato score plunge, I guess, like, were you like, man, all these people are wrong? Or were you like, hmm, maybe I should reconsider, like, what I said about the movie? What, what were you, was your reaction? I'll, I'll admit, I was a little crestfallen uh, because this is a film that I won't refute all the criticisms against it. I'm not certainly not going to die on the hill of saying that it's a perfect or even a great movie. But it's a movie that I was strongly affected by emotionally. And I it's hard to really argue technically for an emotional connection with the movie. So when I... and Again, um, we'll go into this a little bit later, but the context, too, does serve a lot of what I was feeling when I first watched it. Um, but when I did rewatch it this past weekend, I still feel a lot of the same, even though those flaws were more glaring to me. But it still hit me emotionally in the same way that it did when I watched it in that first wave. And um, I think that, yeah. I see the criticisms and I think that they're valid and I think that they're very well put. And even more so, like seeing it the second time, I was like, oh yeah, that that does not work. But <laughs> it doesn't change at all that emotional connection that I felt with it and the way that I think it it brings out a kind of cornball escapism that I think is sorely needed, especially in this pandemic year are you able to talk a little bit more about that emotional connection without spoiling anything or should we wait until later we'll wait till later because it, ha it has very much to do with the end of the movie um but i will say that i do think that i have a pretty high tolerance for cheese and this may have to do with <laughs> with me oh, you're you're a doctor who fan after i all am a doctor cheese, who so. fan yeah it may have to do yeah. with me just like being inundated in Doctor Who right now and being really forgiving of a lot of really bad <laughs> twists in writing. But She's lactose tolerant. <laughs> and I'm not going to say that I'm unbiased. I think that the idea, the argument that any critic should be unbiased is false and that we all bring our own biases and our own opinions and our own personal experiences into it. I certainly did. And I had my own expectations going into it too. And, and Wonder Woman 1984 certainly didn't meet all of my expectations, but it met me on an emotional level again, but I'll say, I'm going to say emotional a lot in this episode <laughs> that worked for me good. and a cheesy level that worked for me. There is a scene that early on, I will get into a little later that once it clicked, what kind of movie this was for me, I was like, okay, I see what kind of movie this is. And once I was on board for that, then I was more forgiving of a lot of what happened from then on. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, uh, I'm glad that the movie connected with you on an emotional level and we got a lot out of it. Um, I'm sorry for what conversation is going to follow because I think the rest of us weren't as huge fans of it, but let me, let me, let's, let's dip our toe in, shall we? Devinder Hardwar, what were your thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984? So this movie is a disaster, right? <laughs> it's an absolute disaster. But here's the thing. I think it actually starts out kind of, it starts out pretty strong. I like there, there's the whole opening sequence on Thymascara, you know, with young, young Wonder Woman. Um, 
young Diana going through the, these trials and the way they set this thing up, right? It is just like you know, the craziest trials type thing I, I've ever seen. You're doing like American Ninja Warrior is what it yeah, is. It's, very, yeah. it's superhero American, American Ninja, Ninja Warrior, except if you lose, you might die, basically. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But it was so like there, there's no dialogue here. It's just like people doing cool shit in this really young Diana, just really holding her own against people. And it lasts for a while, too. It's really like uh, involved. And I was really into all that, even though yeah, it, was, it was a little cheesy. You could see people like jumping on strings and whatnot. But I was into that vibe. I was into the vibe of the opening. Like once you get to 1984 in this movie, uh, there's a whole like uh, mall sequence that is kind of hilarious and cheesy. Um, that feels the movie feels like uh, like the first two Superman movies. You know, it feels like the Richard Donner Superman. Um, and like I, 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 like I would argue, bu- it feels like the second two re- Superman movies, uh, <laughs> Superman three and four. I think the it's Richard Lester board films. of well, both. I, I think in a way that's yeah, both yeah, good yeah. and bad. It's a it's a bunch of all the original yeah Superman movies, but I think especially early on when they were going for you know just her like saving people and the kind of like winks to the camera and her winking to kids like it's all it's cute and bubbly and like okay the movie is doing this um, if this is the vibe kind of like Thor Ragnarok um, sure I'm into it I can I can go with this and there, so far so good point, so far so good yes yeah, so yeah. far so far good. I think about an hour or so into the movie or no forty five minutes or so like I was like. And this isn't a spoiler because it's it's in the trailers. Okay, so I'm going to say, like, there's a point where Steve Trevor appears. And this movie just collapses. And it's kind of... It's kind of hilarious to watch. It's like having a friend you really like who starts um, going out with somebody who's fine. You know, who's fine. But they will not stop talking about this person. Right? <laughs> so this movie's like, you know my, my boyfriend Steve? He's really handsome, isn't he? Look at him in all these clothes. He's so handsome. He's trying on a fanny pack. He's trying on the 80s. Um, guys, I'm trying to save the world here. My my boyfriend Steve, okay? My boyfriend Steve needs to save me because I'm I'm wondering or no, he's also always getting in trouble. So a lot of the movie is her saving her boyfriend Steve. And it's um I think it gets to be grating after a while. I think this movie really really overestimates how much we uh, love Steve Trevor. I love, I love watching Chris Pine's face too, but this movie certainly never justifies like what is happening here. And we'll talk about some of this stuff in spoilers. Like there's a point in this movie where wonder woman is like, man, if only, if only something good could happen in my life and (laughs) you're an immortal God who looks like a supermodel. You apparently have money, like just infinite funds. You're kind of a genius. You're a historical <laughs> genius. You can have whatever job you want, but you, you have nothing. You have nothing. Apparently. Steve. What um, about Steve? Yeah, what about she Steve? Got, she doesn't she have got Steve. Steve. She got Steve. She doesn't have Steve. Steve. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Steve I, even looks good. First of all, in Devindra, somebody else's body. <laughs> first of all, uh, Devendra, well put. Uh, but let me go to Jeff. Jeff, what did you think of Wonder Woman 1984? Well, Dave, I <laughs> guess you could say what I thought of Wonder Woman 1984 is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Mm. But you guys sort of stole my thunder on this one already. Oh, so okay. it's that. a wah, wah, wah. Mm. Uh, womp, womp. The movie won't let you ignore that it's set in 1984. It's like it was made in that decade. Batman Returns meets Superman 4. Nice. <laughs> 
Nice. Like, oh man. It yeah, is, we got we, oh, we hit man. on both of them. I bet that just like I'm so sorry, yeah. Jeff. You must have felt yeah. so disappointed when I'm sorry. Broke, I'm sorry. Broke, broke we mentioned both of those films. Yeah. yeah man, this movie completely rips off Batman Returns, but I'll I'll let you well, have it, your it, say. It Jeff. commits the completely. same crime as Batman Returns. And what right? oh, how that? dare you? How dare you? Yeah. What okay, crime Batman is that Returns. Batman Returns. Yeah. What? What crime? Well, what crime is Batman Returns commit? I, I was about to explain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like my sentence wasn't done. Um, <laughs> the the the, uh, the crime of those movies, I think, when when they were making those movies, it became movies about the rogues gallery, also and also Batman. Right? It was always it, it was very little Batman movies. Now the Marvel movies. Now I know I'm going to be accused of being a Marvel zombie from way back, which I am, but. I will say, before I get into this, uh, uh, first of all, I cannot wait to get to spoilers about this movie because yeah, yeah. specifics, specifics. <laughs> I have many specifics, yes, right? Yes. But secondly, I loved the first Wonder Woman movie. I thought it was mm-hmm. fantastic. You can go back to our review of it. I fawned all over it. It did, the the very final battle was a little, you know, not yeah, great. Yeah. The villain overall, was 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 terrible in that film but, but overall but i really else, loved that yeah. movie i yep. i lauded yep. that movie i thought it was super fun i thought it was exactly what the superman movie should have been like it was full of hope and yes and yes. idealism and uh iconography you know it was it was like it was it was great i really enjoyed it and i was very much looking forward to the sequel right so just put that there <laughs> in in the back of your mind uh-huh. um but the Marvel movies, for all their faults, and they have a lot of faults, I'm not blind to them, but one thing that they did not do is the thing that the old Batman movies did, which is, it's not about Batman. It's about the villains and their origin stories and the new the new villains, right? And that's what happens with this Wonder Woman movie. It is, compl- it, it is almost zero about Diana. It is almost zero about Wonder Woman. It, it, it is, to the extent that it's about Wonder Woman, she's ra- wrestling with a a situation that she already solved at the end of the last movie, right? It's the same <laughs> issue again. Uh, it's true. It's true. The yeah. whole, the all the interesting stuff that happens in this movie, such as they are, is because of the villains, right? And the Marvel movies understood, like maybe the villains aren't very interesting in most of the Marvel movies, but that's because it's not about the villains. It's about the heroes. And it, I always admire the fact that Marvel continue to focus on the fact that moving the, the heroes forward and giving them something more interesting to deal with really is what we came for. And I wish, frankly, Wonder Woman had anything interesting to do in this movie. She really has very little to do. Now, mm-hmm. I will say, I think the action sequences, such as they are, are pretty great. I, I really had a lot of fun with the action sequences. That You talked about that mall sequence at the beginning. I dug it. Fun. Like The way Wonder Woman moves in this movie is very different mm-hmm. from the way she moved in the first movie. I like that. It's it's a it's this kind of um, exaggerated, almost cartoonish, but in a really cool way, kinetic and fun. And she's using the the lasso as almost yeah, like a Spider Man yeah. swinging. It's really cool. It's I, the, I was the way into the it. camera moves with her too. I think is really yeah. interesting. The first movie kind of did this, but it's sort of the camera would often go against the direction she's moving and then pan around. It just makes everything look so cool. Like the action yeah. looks cool. Yeah, the action d- does look really cool. It is just. You are so right, Devendra. There are some utterly baffling decisions, and I want to talk specifically about them in spoilers. But ultimately, this movie is an utter mess, and I am so disappointed because there was so much potential there, right? And it, it just, mm-hmm. it just, 
I do not understand the fundamental idea behind it. I feel like there's so many very simple things that could have been gone tweaked and would have made the movie make way more sense and be much more entertaining and interesting. It it feels like an old fashioned kind of superhero movie, but not in a good way. It feels like the kinds of superhero movies that we used to get before we sort of figured it out. And Mm -hmm. it, it it is really disappointing. It, it, people behave in bizarre ways. The central plot makes no discernible sense. It's the, it's internal logic falls apart over and over and over again so I'm excited to get to spoilers because I want to talk specifically about a lot of those points, but, and I'm glad that you liked it. HT. I I'm so glad I want people to like it, but boy, I went through the same progression that Davinci did. I was like, Ooh, I'm digging this. Ooh, that, that opening sequence is rad. I'm, di- I'm okay. I'm into this. And then it's just like record scratch. You know, it was, it was, it was like, what movie is this now? Yeah. Um, enter yeah. Pucci. Oh. Yeah. I do want to make a point to or add on to your point about uh, Diana being kind of buried in this movie. And it's actually one of the criticisms I have for this movie because I can like something and have criticisms for it. It's not a perfect movie, nor is it. Yeah, not nor is it really good. But um, I think that one of the major failings of Wonder Woman 1984 is that it the burden of the the story and its message really working falls on Gal Gadot. Uh, as an actress. And I've always felt that, especially when I watched this movie, that she is not really that talented of an actress, especially compared mm-hmm. to her co-stars. She's a movie star. And she, that she movie, has a specific range, yeah. right? Like, you know, yeah. I, I, I can think understand she's that. fine in this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't well, think, I think it, like her movie I star lay, I wouldn't lay this movie's pro Yeah, I, I wouldn't lay this movie's problems at her feet. That's it's that's, not entirely yeah. at her feet, but I think that it overestimates her in a way that sinks the film more than so like it, it overestimates a lot yes, yes I, it does. I would agree with that so, i will say but that i want to say that like i think her movie star charisma really worked in the first film because it was about um her fish out of water experience mm-hmm. and here she kind of gets buried in the very big very overambitious and yes convoluted plot and by the really big performances by her co-stars too not just by uh chris pine who's really like playing up the comedy chops uh, that in his in this film, and but also by Pedro Pascal and Kristen Wiig, who especially Pedro Pascal, yeah. who's hamming up like crazy. Dude. He's serving a ham. He is beast. working hard in this so, movie. He is he is <laughs> not phoning this one in. I, I kind of love it. I love, I love that the performance. Ham. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he's Danny DeVito as the penguin. Yep. You know, he's yep. like uh-huh. on eleven all the time. Listen, it's great. Right next to Catwoman, it is uh, hilarious. Yeah. There is an yeah. unhealthy amount of ham and carbohydrates in this movie. <laughs> it slathers on the cheese to the point that you would fear getting diabetes, and I like that. Wow! <laughs> I, I don't, I, honestly, my, wow. my issue. Not sure My if I issue know, with this agree movie, with the gastronomic composition of the movie there. Sorry, go uh, ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, my issue is not the cheese factor. I, I, I'm i down for some cheese. In fact, that's what I wish had been a little more in the Superman movie that Zack Snyder mm-hmm. made. I wish there had been a little bit more saccharine sweet, uh, you know, uh, yeah. idealism, really. There's no and, grittiness in this movie, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I doesn't need readiness. it. It's yeah. just that's that's not my issue. I, I mean, we'll get to our <laughs> our issues, I'm sure. 
But right, my last I'll... little defense for Wonder Woman 1984, uh, which I know is a losing defense, and I concede entirely, but is that its heart is in the right place, but its heart is buried under lots and lots of intestinal issues. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if I agree. You know. Uh, okay. All right. Well, let's get to spoilers, uh, uh, and let's talk more in depth about Wonder Woman 1984. Now you're looking for the secret. You're going to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. Well, folks, this weekend I watched a movie sequel about a beloved DC Comics superhero who can swoop through the air, sometimes in a monochromatic winged suit. <laughs> Our hero faces off against multiple threats, including a clumsy, mousy, blonde admirer turned feline warrior, a greedy, energy-obsessed businessman, and villain with an abusive childhood who seeks political power by manipulating the public via the media. One villain is defeated after his media tools and source of power are turned against him, while the other villain escapes. And the movie ends on a snowy December day as our hero encounters a reminder of a lost love, expresses holiday sentiments, then pensively stares off into the distance. <laughs> but well enough done. about Batman Returns. Yeah. Well done. Let's see, see, okay, that, first of all, that was from La underscore Resistance 28 on Twitter. Oh. Um, thank you for hooking me up with that. Uh, boom goes down. Man, Dynamite. I, re- Jeff, I really thought this came from the mind of David Chen. I'm a yeah. little... Little yeah, disappointed no. here, but it was as good. well you should be. As well you should be. Um, I mean, you know, Devinger, people send me works of art like that on the daily now, and I you cannot. Gotta, you gotta. I can't. Yeah. I can't not promote that on the podcast. You gotta no, share. Yeah, that's um, you know, you're duty bound. Yeah. Um, also, Jeff, you know, uh, not only was your limerick walked upon, but so was that boom. You know, so it's yeah. like we both we both got a taste of it in the uh, yeah. in the end. You know, it goes around, uh, comes around. What goes around comes around. Okay. So uh, I, I want to hear. Let's start. On a positive note, okay. So, mm-hmm. HT, you you wanted to talk a little bit about like why you had such an emotional connection with this film, um, and so let's. I, I want to make sure we get some positive positivity in here uh, before we start, you know, talking about before before we start talking about some of the plot details. So, so uh, yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about like what resonated with you about this? So, what resonated with me is I'm going to go right to the very end of this film because it's the part of that the film that kind of cemented for me why I uh, enjoyed Wonder Woman 1984 despite all the excess. And it's the idea that it follows up on the the theme of the first Wonder Woman, uh, that humanity is flawed, yes, it's morally gray, but in spite of that, it's worth saving. And I really love that message in the first Wonder Woman. And I think that Wonder Woman 1984 follows that up really, really well with the message that humanity is not only worth saving, but it's worth forgiveness, it's worth grace, and it's worth saving itself. And that takes place in the final scene when um, Pedro Pascal's character, Maxwell Lord, is broadcast into the entire world, touching everyone in the world and um, getting everyone's wishes to mount up. Touch everyone. (laughs) Touching everyone. (laughs) Very post-pandemic type of dialogue, but um, and which, getting- by the way, he finds out about because he sees an easel set up in the president's yeah Oval, the office. Oval office. That's where oh, we put top, all our secret, the top <laughs> like, secret <laughs> thing on the easel. It's great. 
It's escapism, guys. You guys are all yeah. cynics, and I love escapist yeah. movies he, that he take me to ridiculous, absurd heights. He's like, what's he this? He turns around and is like, hey, what's this? What's going on over here? It's <laughs> cool, a cool little board. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> um, as he's, you know, as the stakes are mounting, the world is nearing catastrophic um, ends. Uh, as people's wishes and their greed and excess is coming to a peak, uh, Diana appeals to everyone uh, by looping the lasso of truth around Maxwell Lord's foot and broadcasting her message to the world, telling them that they can, you know, fix this. They can renounce their wish. They can forgive themselves. They can save themselves. And I found that so moving. And just really affecting in a way that I felt like really resonated, especially in the context of 2020, um, that humans can band together and be a better people and unite and be united in, in that one in that one moment. And it honestly, it it made me, it, yeah, it, it really moved me. And it reminded me a lot of another um, nice core Made, like wide release earlier this uh the summer uh which was bill and ted's uh bill and ted face the music and so did you say nice core is that a term nice it core. is yeah i've never i've never heard of that that's interesting it's okay nice, nice movie nice yeah. core nice movies paddington 2 pinnacle mm-hmm. of nice core yeah mm-hmm. it's i'm looking it up on urban dictionary right now yeah <laughs> so it reminded me a lot of Bill and Ted Face the Music, especially the ending of Bill and Ted and how the song that will save all of the world and all of human humanity is just is not just one single song written by a, to a pair of unexpected geniuses, but a song that is played throughout the world simultaneously throughout many timelines. Again, people united. And it just, um, it really hit me. I think that it, Felt, I feel like the context of 2020 is very felt very much in line with this ending. And I'm sure if 1984 was released a year earlier or a year later, it wouldn't be quite as powerful as it was to me. But that's exactly why I still really enjoy and am really moved by Wonder Woman 1984. It's that idea that it follows up on from the first Wonder Woman um, and um, just has this really hopeful, cartoonishly hopeful view you know, of humanity. You know, well, except for the fact that it's, I mean, I do think it's the most 2020 movie yes. because yeah. it's all about giving up your dreams and accepting the shitty situation you're in. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't hope for anything. Don't See, wish for anything. That's a glass just... half empty view of it. <laughs> yeah. oh. The solution is to just accept <laughs> the station you're in. Right, right. Because yeah, because yeah. nobody had things rough in 1984, Jeff. There's so, no, right. th- things were totally uh, fine. Things were totally yeah, fine. Th- there, there was no problems with society in 1984. But okay. Well, that, but HT, thank you for sharing thank you. Um, the, the, your earnest opinion. And I, I apologize in advance for the thrashing <laughs> that is about to come. Yes. Yeah. 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 Know, I, I, I want Did any of that work for you guys? Or is that something that you are the completely just did not at all because I, I of everything that came before. I have something to say. I have something to say about this, but it didn't work. I could tell you why it didn't work okay. when you guys when were ready to move on to that. Uh, well, so did, did that ending work for me? I think that as many people have already pointed out, like 
the, the fundamental problem of the ending is that mm-hmm. I actually think it's like quite a cynical view of, of humanity, right? Like, this is the most cynical movie of the DC <laughs> yes. Snyderverse. This movie is ridiculously cynical. Yeah. Every single person who's shown wishing on something uh-huh. is wishing for something selfish, right? Like yeah. nobody is wishing for the end of AIDS or uh, nuclear world disarmament peace. or, yeah. you know, world peace or anything like that. And so it's like, so I, I get what she was going for, right? <laughs> But the problem is that here, here's the problem with the execution. First of all, this movie is seven minutes longer than Goodfellas, and it's three minutes shorter than There Will Be Blood. And it's about a stone that grants wishes. Uh-huh. <laughs> that turns into a person. It turns into a person. Pedro Pascal. And that, 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 that's the problem. It's like fundamentally the premise is like quite silly, but it is overlong self-serious and it tries to say something about humanity but does so in a very clunky way i think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i so that that's like really where the movie falls down for me is that Most like is, is it in the execution um which i think is very very clumsy overall so Th- this uh, movie is the gal gadot imagine video in movie form <laughs> i've heard that comparison and it is yes. literally, yeah, it, it is <laughs> really that because the movie is trying to say like, oh, we, we could save each other. We could be hopeful. The, the, the thing about this movie, and it really lost me where the point where, um, what, what's his, is his name actually Max Powers? No, Maxwell Max Lord. Lord. He's basically yeah. <laughs> Max Powers from the Simpsons. Um, <laughs> but he just starts granting wishes and society just crumbles immediately crumbles. Like Washington DC becomes a post-apocalyptic hellscape. For no discernible reason, other than this guy has started granting wishes, and I guess we're supposed to seem like, yeah, the the toll of all these wishes is just bad for everybody. Um, but yeah, the end of this movie is that Wonder Woman has to tell people to be good. The we, humanity will only be good if this, you know, gorgeous supermodel immortal savior com- compels us to be good. She appeals to our better selves. And okay, you guys yeah. also might just rage against me for this very galaxy brain take. <laughs> please please but move on is there do you, okay this might actually this might i might regret saying this um, <laughs> is this movie anti-capitalism is oh the wish is, are the wishes actually capitalism no i think oh. i think there is a way that this is actually the strongest element of the movie i think is there is a way to read this movie as an indictment of capitalism or as yes, an indictment yes. of America. That's why you said um, it in the 80s. Yeah. An indictment of want, certainly. Right. It's an, an indictment, indictment of, of want. Yeah. isn't good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like basically like, what's wrong with more? More, like, have more. Like, and that's, it's very much an yeah. American mentality, I think, of like, more is great. Let's have more. And the idea that like, we want to take, we want to take, but like, it's very difficult to give. It's very difficult to give up. Patty Jenkins has said that this movie is a stealth. Uh, climate change movie is just like she wants it she, sure, she doesn't want sure. it to necessarily okay. register explicitly that it's about climate change but she's like she wants you to take away that like hey we all need to do our part so that the world doesn't die that's uh, Which, yeah if, yeah if you, dude yeah. wonder woman gave up her boyfriend it's the <laughs> least you can do to give up everything you've ever wanted or dreamed of mm. it's the least you can she gave up her Steve. It's, oh man, it's, it was so I, hard for I, her. I too. am one of those people who I I really really love Steve and Diana. I think that they were uh-huh. the emotional core of the first Wonder Woman, and I think it works here as being that point of sacrifice. Even though it does repeat her arc 
from the first film. I think it I think it works because I'm I'm a cheese ball. I look too low being the again. ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. But we okay. <laughs> if <laughs> I have so much to say. I'm All sorry. Right. I never take notes and I have like three pages of notes on this movie. Yes, I want um, Jeff notes. Please. Okay. So if you're going to do that, though, if if like it's a bad idea to just retread the same ground that you did in the first movie. Right. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if you're going to do that, actually make it a hard decision for her in the sense that wow, how does that decision get made? Steve pulls her into a corner and goes, <laughs> hey, you should give me up. That is yeah. the least difficult way that could possibly happen. Right, she, she doesn't come be, to it on her own either. Exactly, right? it is, she yeah. should be. She should be. He should well, be like. I want to stay here. All I want is to stay here. Let was, me stay was, in yeah. 1984. All I want is to stay in 1984. And she and she should have to look at him and go, no, no. Mm-hmm. She should have to actually do an excruciating thing where he should be like, I love it here. I love fanny packs. I love you. <laughs> I want to stay here. We can have yeah, a life together. Yeah. It's going to be great. And she should have to look him in the eye and go. No, humanity is more important. Okay, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. actually, that would. But but as HD points out, Jeff, as HD points out, she was like agonizing about it before. So, uh, but you know, point point taken. It's literally the same thing that happens. Like in the first movie, he's like, "I have to go," and she's like, "That's going to be super hard if you go." And he's like, "Yeah, but I have to because I'm the only way that can this can save the world." And she's like, "Oh no, okay, well I guess that makes sense. Bye." And that's exactly how it plays out in this one. The exact same beats. It's, it's even it's, more it's even more ridiculous, right? Because she's losing her powers. She's losing the thing. Oh, don't that get will me save started on that humanity. Shit. And D- it's, it's still a hard decision, apparently. Um Okay. So <laughs> HD, oh I think God, we're just I gonna have to, I think we're just gonna have to sorry, let him go I'm in this sorry. One. I'm sorry. No, I'm really okay. sorry. I, I, I apologize, I, HT. Jeff's uh Jeff's uh like pitch yeah. actually sounds really great out because here. I do think that the goodbye scene was a little bit weak because it was so reminiscent of the first movie and I think it that they with, the, with yeah. the losing of her powers they could have gone a mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2 route um, yep. or a Superman 2 route or a Superman 2 mm-hmm. route or mm-hmm. how about the fact that the entire premise of the fucking crystal is <laughs> hey you you get your wish but we take something or in Wonder Woman's t- case we slowly sort of take it. <laughs> we over time eventually maybe take your powers, but not all at once. And it's vague. What the fuck is that shit? Like, if you want to do, if you want to do, she has to give up her powers for the, for her boyfriend, like they did in Superman fucking two. Yep. Then do it, like do in it. Superman fucking two, where he walks into the bar and gets the shit kicked out of him. Right? He has no powers. He did. He actually made a choice. This movie, she. Sort of is bloody a little bit. Ooh, that's scary. But she can the, still the do all her to shit. Hurt her. Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's literally no, dude, you have the fucking setup in this movie and they don't even understand it, right? <laughs> oh, do you know what the solution to her, to her big showdown with the bad guys is? Oh, that armor that's stuck in the corner over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that old thing. It's been yeah, there. It's I'll, just been sitting there. You it's know. just been sitting there instead of literally you Give up your fucking powers. What's the only thing that can save me? I don't have my powers anymore. Oh, the super armor from the the magical lady that existed long ago. Oh, well, maybe we should go visit her. Instead of saving Linda Carter for the fucking post credit sequence, make it a cool moment in the fucking movie itself instead of the post... Like, why are we writing shit for the post credit sequence? Uh. Put it in the movie. Have her go 
have to get the fucking armor because it's a big fucking deal. Have to go and fly and find it. And, and then you get the armor and you're like, oh shit, now I can fight with armor because I don't have my Wonder Woman powers because I gave them up for my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And then you go and you fight the thing in the armor and then you have to get, and then you have to make a choice. Like it's all there. And why, why, <laughs> what the fuck point is it to have Steve in someone else's body? Yeah. What is that Listen, decision? It's let's a magical make it, wish let's granting make it thing. Even creepier. Let's make it even creepier because yeah, then she's like fucking yeah. this other guy who doesn't this even is know. Non-consensual. This is they're they yeah they're, they're raping what? this guy. What? Literally, great. explain to me what reasoning there was to make that choice. <laughs> right? It is a magical wish granting crystal. Uh -huh. I wish this, my boyfriend was back. There he is. It doesn't, have, he doesn't have just to be in someone back. else's body. It makes it's no funny. sense. I assume this they're way, doing it be... as some sort of 80s callback to uh, Heaven Can Wait. Yes, yes. But, I mean, or, there are a lot of bodies. Or, 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 or Quantum, quantum, or quantum leap, leap, Quantum Well, leap, that was yeah. worth it, I suppose. <laughs> that was totally... If they I had mean, played like, the Quantum to... Leap theme when he appeared, then I would be into it, you know? <laughs> Jeff, let me, let me ask you this question, Jeff. I mean... I have so the, much yeah, more, David. Like, we, we, we can't... We will not... Unless you go a lot faster, we will not get through all your points. So, yeah. you got... I'm, I'm happy for you to hit them all, like, you know, one-off lightning round style. But otherwise, I think you should choose a few and we can go dive there, into okay, yeah, I, mean, I don't more. even want to get into... Okay, go ahead. What but let me, I guess let me ask you this question. You seem very exorcised by all of this, <laughs> you know? Like, you, you, I really wanted this movie to be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's because... It's, is that the reason? Like, I guess it I'm curious, like, why you're so, so... easy. It seems like just really, like, first draft script mm -hmm. problems. It, mm -hmm. it seems yeah. so obvious to me to make these... Like, it's super obvious that you don't do the exact same shit with your main characters that you did the same, the first movie. Yeah. Like, and you, you can literally, you've got the great setup of, he, you know, he had to leave the first time and now he's back. And now she has to be the one to leave him. Right. That's the mirror you have in a sequel. Like it's, mm -hmm. it, except it doesn't, they don't play it out that way at all. It's such a weird, dumb scene where he like pulls her into the side alley and is like, maybe I should, maybe I should not be here. You know, yeah. it's like, what, why is it his idea? It's yeah. so all right, stupid. Jeff, we gotta we gotta hit all of your points. Like you right. gotta go down your, the list. Your we're points. not gonna. Yeah, dude. Not, all right. Choose, I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, go I'm ahead. not gonna go. I'm not gonna go into the fact that you can only have one wish until it's convenient for the script to have two wishes. <laughs> I'm not gonna get into that. Uh huh. Um, yep. Good idea. Uh, I'm, I I do want to talk about another just like boneheaded scripting decision, which is we give Max Lord his son. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. We see that he actually has a heart and he actually cares about something in this world. And then you've established something in the script that says, hey, when you get your wish granted from the magical crystal, it takes away the thing you care about most. Okay, so maybe take away the sun. And then through the whole movie, he doesn't realize the sun is gone because he's so self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. And at the end, we can realize, oh, your son is gone and he can actually make a decision that makes sense. At the end, you know, oh, it's it's about his son. Instead of like, and this whole idea of the the crystal takes away this the thing that you care about most. I was so angry that <laughs> what what it takes away, even though it doesn't even really do it, but what it takes away from Diana is her powers. Mm -hmm. That's what this goddess cares about most in the that is not a heroic position did to we have establish yeah. that it takes away what you care about most it just says it, it takes away something but not the, the movie most doesn't establish much precious directly. thing yeah that's true yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, there's my no understanding was there. There's no squishiness there that maybe it's, what, it's whatever the screenplay. It, it's just something something that you value, yeah. maybe. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know that the movie at a certain point when it becomes Max Lord is the crystal. He gets yeah. to decide. But before that, my understanding was the crystal takes what is most valuable to you. I thought that was explicitly stated. Mm. And and by the way, by the way, movie. If that's the way the game you want to play, that's a really fun game. We should see that happen over and over and over. Every single person that he makes wish for something, which, by the way, very cool idea is that, hey, wouldn't you want to wish for that? Yeah, I do want to wish for that. I love that manipulative. That's cool. But the, every the, single the quote person from the movie, by the way, is the monkey's paw. Beware what you wish for. It grants your wish, but takes your most valued possession. Diana, you your okay. powers. So mm-hmm. your yep. powers are not like. Wonder Woman should not value her powers. Maybe over it's anything. the thing that's literally the most valuable. Yeah, like n- part not of it. Anyway, like but, valuable but, to yeah. her. <laughs> you, ha- you have this opportunity movie to literally have us see that in action every single time he makes somebody wish for something. Even a, a, a non character, like it was somebody in the office, I wish for a thing. Ooh, instantly we see something taken away from that person. It would create incredible dramatic tension. We would. You wouldn't have to explicitly say it over and over again about how this thing works because we can see it. He's doing it all the time. And it's so vague and stupid. What does anybody give up? What do, what does Cheetah give up? Oh, she gives up her niceness. Yeah, okay. That, she becomes a sociopath, like, you know. But play that out over the course of the entire <laughs> movie with every single character. Like make the, the sun clearly the thing he cares about most take it away and then it's a reveal at the end oh it's not that the sun just wasn't showing up at the, at the office he wasn't just ignoring the sun the sun literally i mean was eliminated from the face of the earth oh my god and now he has a change of heart like well h- how about jeff instead of that the sun randomly leaves the office and uh gets lost on a highway <laughs> near a highway dude I mean, it yeah, feels I, like I draft one of this script, man. I, hey, it, three it people wrote the me. screenplay apparently, so that's uh, that's fun. We haven't talked about Kristen Wiig's character at all. And I do, I do just want to say, like, God damn, they just they just straight up stole Batman Returns. They straight up stole Selena Kyle, and like right down to the the frumpiness and her attitude at the beginning and her switch. You know, she has the the effective switch into the more cool, confident version. She becomes a cat lady. Uh, Pedro Pascal, yeah, literally is the penguin. It is, I think after a certain point, I was like, oh, that's that's kind of familiar. And I was like, are you just copying and pasting things from other superhero movies? Like the uh, the body swap is basically what happened to uh, Professor X, right? After the end of X3. And he, yeah. he they sort of like re-swapped his body to some other random dude. Um, this movie, yeah, like, it wants to harken back to older superhero movies, but it doesn't know what it wants to do with any of this. Like, um, it is it's it's hilarious like how badly structured this movie is too. But one thing I want to point out that Walter Cha um and a lot of other people have been talking about too is like this movie is also just like straight up racist at times too because uh, <laughs> randomly Maxwell Lord is like I need oil. I'm going to go to the to the Middle East. I'm going to see what the Arabs got cooking, okay? <laughs> Arabs are there. They they got the oil. They all, all they care about is oil. Uh they take a wish and they they just want to like, you know, uh take the infidels out of here. It's a very weird portrayal of this and at, at at a certain point there's that whole car chase where Wonder Woman has to save these brown kids, you know, from a missile, which just feels just a little weird, just a little like literally I, playing up the white savior complex yeah, of this whole movie. I will say well, the politics yeah. of this movie uh, Gal- are very weird, yeah. and I think yes. even more so yes. considering uh, a Gal Gadot's IDF background too. Mm-hmm, like a lot of mm-hmm. moments where I was like, "Hmm, 
that's weird. <laughs> Especially yeah. the, the but, oil sequence, the part with the wall rising up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was I was like, I don't know if this movie is aware of what it's doing without all that political like subtext. Um, and I know that it's trying to present itself as being more of like a, especially its its place in the mm-hmm. 80s it's during the cold war mm-hmm. and it's about that political political tension and uh the stakes of that um but it doesn't know what to do with it i do think that like its ambition is it bites off way more than it can chew with all of that socio uh the global context of all of it mm-hmm. yeah I, and we're, we're to believe it's, it's that cast- the russians have we're to believe the russians have technology that allows them to instantly sense when new missiles arrive in a silo <laughs> Listen, Sorry. it's part of the, the movie is the, cast like a movie that was made in the 2020s. Yes, um, but it has the because there's it's not white people playing the Asian people. It's not white people playing uh, the Arabs, so that's good. But it has the uh, the gender politics and the sociopolitics of a movie that was made in the 80s. It it just it it does not. It's not even that it bites off more than it can chew. It's not even interested in chewing. You know, like it's it's just like yeah. <laughs> it's toying around with this iconography and these sure. ideas that it doesn't understand. Like it doesn't seem like it knows what the implications are of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and, that, that's yeah. understandable because have you seen Steve Trevor? He is a very <laughs> handsome man. Very handsome. I love him so much. Even in much. someone else's body, he's handsome. <laughs> so uh, handsome. Also, uh, we learn in this movie that uh, if Wonder Woman concentrates hard enough, she can make anything she wants invisible. Yeah, and it's interesting she how just that stops. Didn't, interesting how she that just, didn't come into play in uh, in Batman v Superman or Justice League at all. She, Listen, well, you know what else doesn't come into play in Batman v Superman or Justice League? The fact that evidently in 1984, the entire fucking planet went crazy. Like the the, 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 the at no we'll point in this movie does it. At, at no point in this movie does recounting the wishes eliminate the memory of this insane event happening and yet this is canon for the entire dc universe that at one point in 1980 like the thing that's i think (laughs) kind of clever about the way marvel does older events is that they're small scale and they're secret you know it's like we we can believe that maybe nobody heard about it but this is like literally 1984 you know before (laughs) superman and batman arrived there was there was all went mad (laughs) <laughs> Literally, like it, it, the entire world went completely insane. I feel like uh, everything I remembers. say about this movie is going to sound like an excuse for it, but I kind of just assume with no, the please. recounting, like the, uh, I can't remember the word right now, <laughs> of the wishes, um, that like everything just kind of snapped back in place, and maybe the <laughs> the overall memory of it just kind of faded. Maybe somebody somebody like, wished it was so that insane that it just kind this. of became yeah. this bad <laughs> like, nightmare. So, mm-hmm. I mean, also I, I do think it's logic. clear that they. I do think it's clear that they remember what happened though at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, it's not like everyone we, like forgets. So we, we can look forward to the retcon in the Zack Snyder Justice League cut. I'm sure yeah. it's going to uh, be uh, there. Rena- By the way, renounce my wish. Renounce. That's, that's, that's the, the word. Term they I was, use. Yeah, yeah. I had the same issue today. I had the same issue. I was like, what is that term? Um. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jeff, this is kind of stuff that you, you you don't want to think too hard about. Like, where were the Avengers during all of the other like world altering events in the Mar- you know, like when yeah, the world yeah, almost yeah. ended in Thor one? Like, where were the Avengers then? You know, like um, yeah. I, I think you, I, you can have this issue with any of the the Marvel films as well. It's true. Um, it's true. But but it is it the the thing that bothers me about it, which when I say bothers me, it doesn't really bother me. It's just more like the whole t- like beginning of the film is like, ha ha, look at. Look at Wonder Woman. She's uh, 
she's stopping this car from hitting this jogger. You know, mm-hmm. she's she's stopping this jewel thief from doing his thing. Et cetera, et cetera. Look look at how goofy she's she's doing her job. You know, she's it's it's so funny to watch her do her job. Um, hey, uh, where was Wonder Woman during Vietnam, guys? <laughs> yeah, where, where was Listen, Wonder Woman during World War Two? The world that, that war is that, that immediately was, followed the World War in the first film. That's going to be the prequel where she's looking for the golden armor and she just misses out on a couple wars. You know, uh, she's uh, she's a busy wonder lady. Let, let, let me yeah. ask you this. Let me ask you this question. HC. I do not want to put you on the spot. This is a this is a genuine question I have, which is like I when 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 Diana Prince was like weeping because she was saying goodbye to Steve Trevor in this film. Like in the first film, it actually was like, OK, that's that makes sense. But like in this film, I, I just kind of like was like it felt. I felt bad for her because I felt bad for that character because I'm like, you, you should not need Steve. Like I love Chris Pine. Chris, Chris Pine is like one of my favorite Chris's, but you should not need <laughs> this. You should not need this person. Um, And like, it, it would be one thing if they had spent like decades together, you know, like a lifetime and, and had this whole like, you know, uh, story together, but like she knew him for like, what, like a month, you know, and she's still pining over him. Chris pining. pining over she's still Chris Pining <laughs> Chris over him pining. like decades later. I guess my question is as somebody who liked the film, like did that whole uh, uh component of the Diana character work for you where like you know, you know, like there's just kind of love that transcends time and space, you know? Um yeah, did that work for you? Yeah, it worked for me because their connection was so strong in the first film, but also I think it worked because it becomes Diana's central character flaw. And I like a character that's flawed. I feel like it's it it does get like somewhat you know lost in all of this, but I feel like it 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 speaks to her her own selfishness that she she wants this one thing. It's something that she enjoys. She's all she's been for the past like seventy years disconnected from society, doing her job, but not doing it with any of the um, excitement or eagerness that she maybe had when she first joined the world. And Steve, I think, embodied that for her. And yeah, I, I remember we had this conversation last last time for the first Wonder Woman review about like basing her identity around love. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it weakens her character in any way. I think there's nothing wrong with being a character who loves too much and having that love lo- ripped away from her and then having it given back and her wanting to keep it um, because of her own selfishness. And I think that was a really interesting facet of the movie that, yeah, doesn't quite like dig into it as much as it could, but that's my, that was my reading from it. Got it. All right. Well, I think we are running a little bit long here. Um, but Jeff, if you have a couple more, we can throw it back I, to I, you. I, can I, I just mention one thing good, too, good, by good. the way, because uh, I, I tweeted about this in, it was the single most baffling moment in this movie for me. This is a movie that is scored by the great Hans Zimmer. Okay, his Wonder Woman theme is probably the best part of Batman v Superman, and uh, you know the, those kind of later movies in Justice League too. Um, there's a point in this movie where Wonder Woman is discovering her powers. She's discovering, I guess, kind of the power of flight because she is using her lasso to latch onto lightning at that point, and they play the song from sunshine. I I forget the exact name of the title or the track, but it is that song that so many other movies have kind of lifted and plays the very like, um, you know, Adagio and D minor. Sure. 
Okay. But you know that tune. If you've seen Sunshine or if you've seen a lot of other movies, you know, that have used it, it's been in trailers. It's been in so many things. I, why? 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 When you you got the Hans Zimmer score, it just feels like just another thing. It feels like they had that temp track at some point, right? And they just couldn't let it go. And to me, that feels like it's just so endemic of a lot of the problems in this movie. It's like, oh, you try this thing. Maybe it's not a good idea, but they like it so much they can't uh, they can't let it go. So I just found that kind of hilarious to me. And that's like a thing that only movie nerds who listen to the Slash Film cast will really laugh at. But if you if you did, and a lot of other people I saw on Twitter, you know, noticed the same thing. Um, I, I see you. I see you. I found it hilarious too. I mean, my my reaction was, how dare they? How know, dare because, they? How because dare that is they? one of the best pieces of movie music ever written, in my opinion. Uh-huh. And you keep that movie, you keep that name out of your mouth. You know, like don't yeah. <laughs> you need to earn using that music, in my opinion. Anyway, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So don't want to be end, don't want to um, be weird. And ge- before we wrap up, I want to yeah. try to bring a little more positivity into this and ask if there was any scenes that you enjoyed. I wanted I. Because specifically, I we haven't really talked about this one scene that I uh, feel like really embodied the the wonder of Wonder Woman for me, and that's the scene in the invisible jet, not the part where she makes it invisible, but when mm-hmm. they, <laughs> they are flying and they go underneath the fireworks, and you can go into all the unreasonable logic of this scene, but I found this scene really transporting and beautiful, it's and beautiful. it reminded me a lot of yeah, it is the Superman Richard Donner film, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. especially in that scene where. Um, uh, Margot Kidder and uh, Clark, Mar- Margot Kidder, Lois and Lois and, and <laughs> Superman uh, fl- are, are flying together, and she has that whole monologue. And it's a very cheesy, very sweet, mm-hmm. but also very enchanting scene. And in uh, this scene, especially, reminded me of that. Yeah. And I feel like this is where it achieved what it was trying to do. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it was such a beautiful moment. And I wonder if you guys enjoyed that scene or any other scene in this movie. It, yeah, it also I, seems like a good demo for uh, Dolby Vision in HDR. Yeah. If you have a very nice TV, it is uh, fireworks. Mm, fantastic. Um, the thing kind of holding me back in that scene, though, by the way, was uh, it is nice to see her coming into her powers. She makes this invisible jet for not not for herself, for Steve, for Steve Trevor. Beautiful Steve Trevor. Everybody, shout out. <laughs> Listen, I, um, I would risk... I, I, the world for Steve Trevor. So I, can I tell. understand where I she's can coming tell. from. <laughs> he is adorbs. I, I, I like that scene. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, that's actually my favorite scene from the whole movie. And mm-hmm. I, I do think that's it's great. a little weird when they're like, oh, huh, it's uh, July 4th. I mm-hmm. guess I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't play at all into the plot of this film. Um, and we'll never mention it again. But why not? It's happening now. And um, also, you know, it's kind of funny later that day, somebody pointed this out on Twitter later that day. Uh, <laughs> um, the, uh, the cheetah character shows up in New York city, which I guess would be July 5th, uh, wearing mm-hmm. a full length fur coat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody's been yeah. in New York city on July 5th. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the timing of the movie is very weird. Um, Jeff, uh, uh, you know, people in the chat no, no, right no. now. Leave yeah. it, leave it, leave it, leave it on a positive. Yeah, yeah. With, well, uh, I'm gonna, let's, let's challenge you. Let's challenge you to find a scene you liked in the film, Jeff. I've mentioned several. I mean, I think the action sequences are really fun. I really enjoyed that moment where um, Steve is is trying to uh, hold his own in the White House. Which, by the way, worst White House security of all time. <laughs> I won't get into that. But um, 
but he's trying to hold his own in the you know in the fight, and he like watches somebody do a move on him, and then does it on somebody else, and he goes, "I, I just learned that." I, like, <laughs> it, it, there's lovely little moments in this movie. It, yeah. it's, it, and that's that's really. If I didn't think this movie had potential, I wouldn't be this upset about it, right? I, there are things about this movie that are really lovely, and the first movie really worked for me, and I was I was rooting for this. So there's a lot that I found charming and fun. I think Kristen Wiig for the most part, you know, uh, is, is really fun to watch. Mm -hmm, and she mm -hmm. plays that sort of awkward person very well. Uh, and the transformation of her is, is fun to watch. Pablo Pascal is, pa Pedro Pascal. I mean, he's a force of nature. Pedro what is it? Pascal. What is Pedro it? Pascal. Pedro Excuse Pascal. me. Pardon me. Uh, he's a force of nature in this movie. He's, he's, he's really great. And, and there are, um, cool, fun scenes. I mean, I like that the movie takes time to be funny. I do. Yeah, I, I yeah. think the whole sequence of getting dressed in the different outfits is fun. I enjoyed that. I uh, And the, the sequence when he like sees a escalator for the first time. I mean, really what it is, is like we get to see what would have happened to Captain America. You know, we never see that in the Marvel movies, like the transition that Captain America is like, holy shit, look at all this stuff. You know, we this movie actually gives time to that, to that, um, that period of, of, acclamation to yeah. modern times and Although, I, as, I like as many that. people have already pointed out uh fireworks were invented like a century ago as was uh, i think I the london think he, underground he didn't he was asking like what, what is that like he never saw it before but he was just like surprised yeah. that it was there so that's you're surprised <laughs> escalators yeah. were invented in the late 1800s so all right i, I know this how guy has traveled the world he knows things he should know things <laughs> yeah you're right, you're right sorry you're right I, did i say a century i meant a millennia ago yeah the, millennia uh, ago come on um Anyway, well, Jeff, I'm glad there were some things you liked about it. And HT, I'm glad that it worked for you um, so well. And thank you for being such a good sport and listening to us talk about all the parts that we didn't like about it. Uh, we appreciate yes. it. Yeah, no um, problem. Didn't hurt me at all. Gonna... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> didn't at all, actually. I'm... You're deflecting it like uh, Diana in No Man's Land. Mm. Uh, like Mortar is just bouncing off her shield, basically, is how, yeah. uh, you're, how you feel about our comments on this movie. Um Anyway, this is going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. Find more episodes at SlashFilmcast.com. Email us at SlashFilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Check out his YouTube channel. Our uh, weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Baby Zhang. Uh, stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. Uh, in the meantime, uh, HT wanted to say thank you so much again. And again, be sure to check out HT's podcast, Trekking Through Time and Space. HT, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And uh, next week, we'll be counting down our top 10 movies of 2020. Question mark? I think that's what we'll be doing. Uh, but we, we we might modify that plan a little bit. Uh, and we'll talk about that in the after dark. All right. See you next week. Hope everyone has a happy new year. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, 
and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.